Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast, the podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Eric and Chris. Welcome to episode 61 of Arcade Repair Tips. I'm Eric, and with me is my co-host, Chris. Hello, Eric. Hello, everyone. Hey, Chris. Well, this is our second episode. Hopefully, we didn't botch the first one too bad. <laughs> we had fun doing it. I listened to it. We it did. wasn't you know, too terrible, I don't think. It's so. a little freaky, though, listening to myself. Yeah. I'm not sure. It, it, it's, a little, it's a little out of body for me. And last time, I think we just jumped right into some questions without having some friendly banter about what's going on. Let's engage in some banter. Banter. Let's let's have some banter. (laughs) So I'll start the banter. So what have you been doing? What what uh, what what games have you worked on? Have you have you bought any new games? I I did. I kind of bought this project. Um, It's a Atari Tempest, one of the original ones, and I I knew what I was getting into when I picked it up. It's uh, you know it's it's got some moisture. Uh, that it was exposed to, and nothing worked. And so far, I've gotten almost everything working, except it won't draw certain lines correctly. So it's clearly a math box error. For any clearly, that, that no, the the how these games are put together is to do the 3D renderings. Atari use something called a math box. Uh, it's an auxiliary little PC board that that does all the calculations in 3D, and it is uh, it has things happening kind of all over the screen, and there's random math box errors, and I have done everything, replaced all the sockets, I've buffered all the pins, I've read all the EEPROMs, they read okay, I've re- read the ROMs, they're okay. Uh, I'm at my wit's end, so now I'm jumping off into the deep end, and... Um, Looking at making or recreating an Atari cat box signature analyzer. I'm not going to do the full cat box uh, with the with the microprocessor and the programs and all that other the other troubleshooting stuff that it has, but it will have uh, the basic signature analysis part of it, so I can hopefully poke around and figure out what's going on at the base of it. Well, before we get too far into the technical side of it, the how about the game itself? So did you find this on Craigslist? I found it through a mutual friend. Uh, yeah. I was just kind of put it out there. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for one of these. Somebody's got a project. And somebody was looking to scrap and parts this thing. And unfortunately, it, it fell forward and broke the front panel of wood. And Oh, I so, think I know where you got this. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> So it's going to require some woodwork, and that's fine. I just wanted you know to get my hands onto a, a, an Atari vector game. When you when to you work on it, when you first picked it up, was it working at all? Did you have not to? Not at all. Not it at was all. doing dead, nothing. Dead, dead, dead ski. Bad. Uh, oh yeah. Bad monitor. Bad monitor. Bad power supply. Bad big blue. Uh, <laughs> what else? Uh, all of the chips uh, were so corroded that they had worked themselves uh away from the contacts in the sockets wow so you you are really bringing this one back from the dead 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 yeah it's this it was already in its grave you dug it up (laughs) i dug it up brought it back well so now you have a 
boots. It it, it it boots up. It plays a game. It just doesn't play it properly. Yeah, I think you sh- you showed it to me at one point. So you could technically you could play it, but the lines weren't being drawn properly. They were right. right all so. all the lines as the as they come up toward the top of the tube start moving over to the upper left quadrant of the screen somehow. So interesting. Yeah. Well, the cat box was something Atari made back in. I was about to say 80s, but I don't know. Could it have come out in the 70s? I think it was the 80s. Okay. I want to say it was the 80s. Troubleshooting device that would let you do a variety of things. I think even the manuals would give you instructions specifically for the cat Man- box, yeah, right? Yeah, manuals. Actually, if you look at almost any, Arta- uh, excuse me, any Atari schematic, you'll see uh, at certain points in the schematic, there's a four-digit code that contains uh, letters or numbers. Uh, that looks sort of like hexadecimal, but not quite. It actually is hexadecimal. It's just an early form of hexadecimal from back in the day. Um, and what that is is it's sort of a it's it's a checksum, but a little bit more complicated than a checksum calculation of what gets generated when you run through a complete address space on a board, meaning you access address zero and one and two and three and do it in sequence uh all the way up to address six five five three five um or ff it just it cycles through every single one of the addresses and then it counts that particular wire looking for a signature and they recorded what it's supposed to be and so if you measure it and it doesn't match up then you know that either something is either dragging the signal down uh further on up the circuit or whatever is generating the signal is not functioning properly. So what made you decide to try to make your own versus finding one on eBay? Well, find, finding an actual Atari cat box on eBay is an expensive venture. I think I've seen them go for 800 bucks. Um, and, and there are other people that, that also propose, well, you can use anybody. You can use an HP signature analyzer. Unfortunately, HP calculates their their CRCs a little differently, and so you won't get the same code unless there's somebody out uh, in the community that's using that same model of signature analyzer that I will see. provide you with all of that information. And right. there's quite a few of those uh, uh, signatures that are on the schematics. So to redocument that would so, be quite the task. And 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 the signature is not the same thing as a checksum. It's not. It's uh, checksum is is a much simpler. It's a simple or adding together of ones and zeros or or whole numbers or whatever in order to um to come up with a sum total uh that gets truncated for you know right so bits or when you're burning an eprom for example that you always get a check sum with that but it's a simplistic form of of seeing whether it just as you when we talked about this beforehand mm-hmm. if you had some swapped bits or whatever it would the check sum could theoretically be correct uh, right. Or the, uh, it could match. It could match, but and the actual not, image would not be correct. Right. Right. So this goes a, a step further. Step further. It kind of it adds what the current value is, and then it cycles certain bit positions back into the formula so that it, it's it's meant so that order counts in the calculation. Wow. So that's that's going to be a pretty major project for you, right? Also, most of it's breadboarded. I think uh, and the schematics for the Atari Catbox are out there. Uh, what isn't well documented is the signals 
that are coming from the microprocessor section that start and stop the actual calculations. Right. So it's there's going to be a little bit of experimentation there, but uh, who knows? I don't. If, and actually, if there's even any interest from a couple of other people, it would be worth it to do a short run of them. I could, you know, make PC boards, convert them to surface mount projects, and just have a little cheap little signature analyzer. Right. Yeah. Well, sounds sounds exciting. I need something to fill my days. <laughs> like right. I don't have enough already. So any anything well, anything else arcade related? Not nothing for me. No. What about you? Well, you know, before before you say no, nothing else. You told me that you might get rid of a few of your a couple of your pinball machines. Is that uh, right? Well, you know, I'm thinking about it. Then I also think I'm going to get rid of my DVDs, and I think, well, gee, it's going to leave a hole in my bookshelf. So. <laughs> I'll just leave the DVDs there. They're good filler. They're completely useless in the real world, but it looks like I've got books or something there, so it makes me look smart. Uh, so, um, so yeah, no, contemplating um, possibly changing something up and, and shuffling some things around, but um, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's it's one of those things of if I'll put it out there and somebody approaches right, then I might I might bite. But right. Uh, in the meantime, it's it's it looks pretty in the living room, so there it is. <laughs> How about you? Well, I think I've gone through, gotten a lot of things have happened since the last time. Uh, not that you guys know what I what I have and uh, what games I have and what I've bought previously, but uh, I well, I did get a storage building. That's what I said I wasn't going to do for years. I said, you know, I'm limited to the amount of games that I have because that it. The house is full. I can't get any more without getting rid of one because, you know, I, that's that's my limit, right? That's that's a concrete thing. You know, that, that's a finite amount of space that I have. <laughs> and if I get a storage building, then that, that well, I got one. Oh, okay, how many are in storage? I got to know. I have been moving them one or two at a time to the storage building. I think there are maybe 10 games in the storage building now. Uh, so I last count, I had uh, a, around 30 games total, and they were all at the house, in the game room, in the garage, any place they would fit. So they some have been moved out to the storage building. <laughs> so is, are, you, are, you, are you saying that, that married life is catching up with you it's time to clear out the house and make it an actual this house. was my own idea this this was you know there's there's a master plan here oh, and that to get more games to get more games <laughs> to get more games no it's to clear out the garage so that it's easier to work on games it's my garage was full of games and you come you come out to the garage look at it and you're kind of overwhelmed because you know half the games work half don't well the ones that don't work they're all projects that yeah, I'm going to get Just to eventually, but True. when you when you look out and it's all projects, you kind of want to turn around and go back in sometimes, <laughs> and other times run away. <laughs> so the intent is yeah. to get all the projects out of there, except for one gotcha. or two. Ah, okay. And so I've moved all the all the uh, most of the project games out to the out to the building, but hmm. I have done a little bit of a lineup change one of them you know about one of them i don't think you do i got rid of one of my pinball machines so that i could get the new ghostbusters oh yeah now i'm cheap jealous i'm jealous. cheap i had to get i got the pro i couldn't couldn't get the premium well i guess i could have but i didn't get the premium 
<laughs> just the just the the, the cheap <laughs> the cheap pro. <laughs> relatively relatively cheap speaking. Pro. And man, that's a great game. Yeah. You've it, you've played it. Yes, they, they they built that game. It's it's very difficult. There's a little speed bump when you first start it. You gotta get past to even start scoring anything. Otherwise, you just you sit there, your three balls drain, and you're just looking at the score like, how pathetic is that? <laughs> but once you once you unlock those modes, then everything just kind of opens up, and uh, things start happening, and some very cool modes, very nice animations and sound effects. They did a very good job putting that machine together. And you know, you're right. They It can be a brutal game, but yet when you're done with it, when you lose all three balls quickly, I want to play it again. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. Is that is that the mark just, of a good just game? Just to whip it in a submission. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it. I think it can be the mark of a good game. I think it's 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 in consider that first speed bump instructional that you know they are not going to just hand you multi ball. They are not just going to hand you a mode. You must earn it. Right and. It is. I'll say this. It's nice having it at your house because you learn all the mo- you learn the intricacies. Mm-hmm. If I can mm-hmm. spit that word out properly, uh, of the gameplay, and you you learn what you're really supposed to do on it. When you when you play these things, you know, a few times in the arcade or wherever you get to play them, it's, sometimes it's hard to learn all the modes what you're supposed to be doing on it. So when yeah. you have it. At, at your, you can play at your leisure and focus on it. It's, it's helpful to uh, learn where all the real points are. So I picked that up. Cool. And loving that game. It's it's a blast. I picked up a. I'm not going to say it's a home use only because there's no way I can I can prove this. But the best one, the best version of a thirty. How old is this? Thirty year old game. Is it nineteen eighty? Oh wow, thirty-five. A black hole. Ooh. A Gottlieb black hole. I think that. What was that? Eighty-one, eighty-two. If, yeah, if not and earlier, maybe even eighty. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was is, the, blue, the blue fluorescent displays. And, correct, the vacuum yeah. fluorescent display, yeah. and it is mint. It is hmm. perfect. Now I'll plays? say this: it. What's that? How many plays on the counter? <laughs> Did I, I don't think I looked. I don't. Uh, I don't think I looked. But those. It was that you know something like a a Bally from that era does not have a counter. Gottlieb's did have counters a lot of times. I don't know if it has a counter on it or not. A Bally or a Williams did not have a physical counter in it. It was done. It was saved in the MPU. Uh, I. Not sure if this one. I think this one. Yeah, you know, here we are. Here, we're the You're tech right. guys. We should know this, shouldn't we? <laughs> well, the, yeah, that's not really something we lay, we lay eyes on. EM games would have <laughs> EM games in the seventies would have had a counter on them, uh, but once they went solid state, they wanted to integrate that with the the MPU function. But I don't think that's true for pinball machines. Not so much for video games, though. Right, yeah. so I, I don't hmm. I don't think it has a physical counter. So, you know, if I'm guessing, I'm going to say thirty. No, okay, I don't know. It's it's, <laughs> but it it really it looks fantastic. Uh, I made a trade with a guy. I'm I'm happy with it. This is more for nostalgic reasons than anything else. This was the first game I ever owned. I remember playing this when it was a new machine mm. back in the day. 
sounds the sound effects on it are great the it's a beautiful game i think yeah and uh you know it's not one of those you're going to keep going back to it and playing it again and again but it's uh it's it's like a piece of art you hang on the wall right very much very much <laughs> so i think that's i think that's all that i picked up over the last month but that's enough oh, is right that it <laughs> <laughs> Well, but good. now that I good have deal. more room, <laughs> I can exactly. More. <laughs> we always. I, I knew there was an ulterior motive to clearing out your garage. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. I think that's everything I've been doing over the past past month. Um, I guess it's time to get into some questions. What sure. do you think? Sounds good. Let's go. Speaking of questions, you, what we did not do last month is give you guys. The information on where to send the questions did we not no actually we didn't i don't think and i think this is i think this is a new email address we didn't we didn't even announce our episode number that's how green we were yeah well it's it can only get better from this point right now we'll now we'll (laughs) constantly pepper you this is episode 61 podcast podcast at arcaderepairtips.com once again podcast at ArcadeRepairTips.com. What is it? It is podcast at ArcadeRepairTips.com. I think I got that. Well, speaking say it again. speaking of emailing <laughs> your questions, you know what I you know what I would like to see. What is that, Eric? If you have a question about a particular, let's say a monitor, your monitor is doing has some kind of a problem. Pictures. I would. I would really like to see pictures so we can tell what type of monitor you have. If you have, or or whatever the the, the case is, whatever the problem is, if it's something that we might need to know, what type of uh, what type of monitor chassis, what type of of power supply you have in there, or whatever. Uh, pictures would be very helpful if you attach that to the. To the, email, uh, to the email. And in addition to that, so we had one listener send a YouTube clip that he made, that, sh- and that was really helpful. We, we'll talk about that at the, in, when we yeah. get to the questions, but yes, very helpful. This is especially helpful if you're going to ask a question like, hey, that wire that's supposed to connect over there on the left-hand side of the corner widget board that might be black or brown, I can't tell because of the smoke on it. What is that supposed to connect to? Yeah, we we need a picture. <laughs> so once again, podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. Should we get into the questions? Sure, let's go for it. All right. right. So we have the first question from Alhole420. <laughs> Any idea how to take my Street Fighter II Championship Edition off of Turbo? Hmm. Very interesting question. <laughs> and we, we wrestled with this question as far as the meaning of, of, of what the actual question, what he's asking. We did. We did. And, and actually, in fairness, so, so this set of questions this month, I will say, <laughs> is covering a lot of these relatively new newer fangled. games, these newfangled <laughs> 90s machines. God, I sound old already. Okay. Well, okay so, we're yeah, old. we're both old. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're we're kind of going well. What flavor is that? We're, we are we are actually going off and doing some research before we give some advice on on any of these machines. So yes, yeah, so we went off and did a bit of research on this particular title, and here's what found some very 
confusing information slash many possibilities. Right. <laughs> so we may answer this question in kind of a uh, multiple choice. No, that's not a good way of describing it, but a uh, a multiple answer. We can give uh, with this question. We can give you all multiple wrong answers. So again, <laughs> multiple correct s- answers. Send your send your complaints and threats to podcast at. Re- <laughs> PairTips.com. <laughs> so this this Street Fighter Two Championship Edition, uh, we went off and looked for any of the possible games where it was uh, Turbo, and it it appears that with this particular title, Turbo is actually part of the ROM set. Right. Um, so, so two particular games, we have Street Fighter Two Turbo Hyper Fighting which is a CPS-1 game. We'll talk about what CPS-1 means in just a moment. Then we have Super Street Fighter II Turbo, which is a CPS-2 game. And and as I said, CPS-1 versus CPS-2, just kind of a generation of the the systems. Um, And the CPS-1 games... Let's let let's say this. We hope it, he's talking about that one, uh, because the answer is is going to be a better answer if it's the Street Fighter Two Turbo Hyper Fighting CPS One, because the CPS One games have no security, have no uh, authentic uh, uh, security. Well, there's no encryption. Encryption. Keys there you go. That's the word I was looking for on the on the boards. So if we wanted to change Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting just to a regular Street Fighter 2 or any other CPS1 game, simple. Burn new ROMs, put it in, done. What happens if it's a CPS2 game? Well, um, this part, we didn't get as far uh, on researching this as possible, but I know that other others have managed to extract some of those keys to where either they will decrypt the ROMs or uh, you can rewrite that uh, memory module. I, I believe the CPS2 boards use a memory chip that has a built-in battery that pretty much suicides right. after a few years. If the battery on that board, on a CPS2 board, goes, if it dies... You're 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 in yeah. bad shape. So that 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 battery backup to that RAM, at, which which contains the encryption keys, will then forget its encryption keys, and the board won't boot, and it's 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 messy all the way through. So, um, the short answer is <laughs> shorter answer is it really depends on what title you are you're you're talking about here with this question, and if this is actually a a, a, a title that we don't know about, which is quote unquote Street Fighter Two Championship Edition that is apparently running turbo, then we, we sure weren't, were not able to find it, any reference to it online. Right, right. And if, if it's, but back to the CPS2, if he, if he wants to change his CPS2 game, the, 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 the short answer is it's, it's not really feasible. Some people are working, uh, we've, if you look on the forums, some people have apparently cracked it, but I don't know if it's really, ready yeah i don't know if it's widely available but you know the short answer is you 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 don't change the cps2 but if it's a cps1 you can burn new roms for it yep all right all right well our next question is from Hmm. how do you you, i'm gonna i'm gonna let you do this one 
Agro or die videos. Did I get it? Uh, Good enough for me. Or agrugi dirty videos. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, so his question is, do you have any tips on fixing RAM issues? That's is is that uh is that vague enough for you or uh <laughs> I, I think he should have left the word RAM out so that you know you could just <laughs> do you have on fixing, fixing issues. issues. Okay, all right. Just kidding. Just, <laughs> just kidding. kidding. Well, the answer to that will have to be as vague as the question though. True. Because RAM issues for what game? Uh newer you know, older game, uh newer game, uh you know, most of the games back well, all of them have a RAM test. Uh, you know, even, like newer game will test the RAM automatically when it's booting. An older one may not test it as the game is booting, but they have a test mode where you can, where it will test the RAM in it. And a lot of manufacturers will have built it will basically let you know which RAM chip is is bad. It'll refer to a location on the on the bo- game board itself as to which mm-hmm. one is bad. And you know you can do some. You can you know if it's a, a game like a like a Williams game, like a Defender or something like that, or a Tato game like a Zookeeper or something like. That, you can you can swap the RAM chips and see if it if that will kind of help you know if it's the chip itself or the addressing for the chip. There's a whole lot of circuitry in there that kind of steers. The you know when you have a particular address, uh, hexadecimal address, you know it goes to, it goes to a certain chip, but that's done through a little bit of hardware. It kind of it takes you it it, it aligns you the freeway, it sends you to the right <laughs> to the right spot, and some of that circuitry could be bad as well. Yeah, that's actually a great tip because remember those RAM tests are run from the perspective of the microprocessor and what it sees in RAM. The RAM might be good but that support circuitry could something could be wrong right you could have what they call the data bus transceivers one of those could be bad the mm-hmm. the logic circuitry that sends it to the correct destination could be bad but if you do a swap and and if the if the game has once again this is where it would be very helpful to know what game we're talking about exactly uh but just in you know in in general in, in general, it's if if the game does have a RAM test, you can you, it, it will usually tell you where the you know the the culprit is. Give you kind of a um, uh, you know it'll say like it's uh, uh, on on the board. It's location M M eight or whatever. And, and if you look at the silk screen on the board, it will it will show you exactly physically where mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So if you if you want to know if you if you want to dig a little deeper, send us a, another send the question back with what game it is, and we might be able to tell Can you a little, a little bit, bit more. more specific. Yes, each, another thing to remember is that each game has its own memory architecture. Uh, different memory chips can be on. Matter of fact, on different buses, there's depending on which game you're talking about. There's three, four, or five different address buses depending on what the right. function of the RAM is for. Right. <laughs> Okay, the next one is from Dara. Is it possible to get a standard arcade light gun to work with a PC? Uh, regretfully, no. <laughs> uh, pretty much no. Um, and the answer to that unfortunate, uh, I should say, the, the, the reason behind that unfortunate answer is, is the way that the light guns work. Um, Generally, light guns are nothing more than light detectors that have a lens in it to be able to focus on a very small part of the screen. 
And as the screen is painting on the image and the phosphors will get uh, much brighter where the electron beam is, but your, persist your persistence of vision to your eyes makes it look like it's a solid, stable image. However, to the light gun, it's seeing that screen getting painted 60 times a second. And so the game board will time that light detection against where it knows the electron beam to be on the screen. That's how it knows where on the screen you're, you're pointing the gun at. So with an LCD screen, however, on the computer, it's all pretty much lit up at the same time. There is no sync signal. There's, it's, it's not going to be able to, uh, the gun isn't going to be able to detect where an electron beam is because there generally isn't one. Right. And, and you know, taking that back to arcade machines, can you put an LCD screen in a in a game that had a, a light gun game? No, not not if you want it to work. <laughs> <laughs> the the picture will be pretty, but you won't be able to play it. So hopefully that was you know clear as mud for everybody. <laughs> so I think I think we should just move on to the next question. How how about, how about that? Let's see. Next question is from James. Have you ever seen the neck of a monitor turn blue? We can't figure out why our monitor worked, and then boom, nothing. Blue, huh? So <laughs> what you normally see on the back of a monitor is you see kind of a yellowish, yellowish-orange glow, and that's the heater, the heater of the CRT. But blue, blue's, blue's not good, is it? It smurfs. <laughs> Could, you think we could like start that as man? We smurf that monitor. <laughs> the, the monitor smurfed out. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> oh, we amuse ourselves. Well, we talked about this before we recorded, and I have I haven't seen this, but I think you told me. I you. think I've seen it once before. Uh, I can't remember if it was something to do with. The DAG wasn't connected. Well, on wait, the outside well, before we or, go any further, or, what's, what's a DAG? Okay. <laughs> so uh, I actually looked this up once. It's, it's referred to as Aqua DAG. That, it's that ugly gray paint that's on the back of a picture tube. So if you, if you ever look at the back of a monitor, don't get the wise idea that you need to scrape off that paint to make <laughs> it look pretty shiny glass because you will be destroying the picture tube. High voltage section. <laughs> it's actually an integral part of the high voltage section. Um, so if that if that's lifted, um, I seem to remember. <sighs> I remember that you would see it arc a little bit, and I didn't let it blow up or anything. I reconnected it, and then everything was okay. Um, and then the other, th I've I've also heard of other people experiencing blue uh, inside the neck of a picture tube. And usually what that means is that the envelope has been compromised. In other words, air or other gas is getting into the picture tube bill. And what you're seeing is the gas ionization from the high voltages. So, and you would probably only see that for a period of time until it, it's, the monitor just flat lose out the, lose the yeah. vacuum and it releases yeah. all correct. Right. And, and, you know, I've heard of people cleaning the uh, tube with a harsh chemical and taking that layer off yes. and you know that that just as chris said that's a that's that part of, that layer is important to the operation <laughs> important if you find that you've ever done it i believe they still do make aqua where you can you can paint, buy it paint it back on apply it back on 
Uh, yeah, but probably more of a more of a pain to find that than it's worth. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I guess you know maybe maybe what he could do though first is check the make make sure that the ground connection that connects to the DAG is is going back to wherever it's supposed to go. Such usually on the neck board itself or wherever the right. you know wherever it right. grounds. Right, and that wire that we say the DAG, and so some of you may have seen it as the there's like a wire that kind of wraps around it and there's a spring and then a single right wire. sometimes it's braid like connection. kind of like desoldering braid mm-hmm. that goes around mm-hmm. it or or like a mesh metal mesh that goes around it uh or sometimes you know you'll see sp- like just as you said it'll be Simple spring spring, spring tension yeah. on it mm-hmm. but all that it's it's important that that part does that, that it is grounded for yep. it to work properly absolutely <clears throat> okay the next question is from adrian can I use a tube rejuvenator on a CRT television? Well, the, the the short, quick answer is yes. But first, what's a tube rejuvenator? I've I've got one. I, I use use it a fair amount, but I guess we should talk about what what a tube rejuvenator is. Um, and there's a there's you know all of these tube tube rejuvenators are are pretty old. I don't I doubt they've made them in the past twenty years. Not since the seventies. I I doubt if you find anything. So there's in the 80s, uh, BK Precision B B and K or BK or B and K Precision BK uh, makes made them uh, many years ago as well as Syncor. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's a few other brands. Now, yeah. Maybe maybe there's some other brands. I don't yeah. know. But they were originally made for TV repairmen. So that's why the answer is yes. Uh, but n- now maybe let's talk about what a rejuvenator is. I and- will hand this off to you <laughs> since I, I have zero experience with a rejuvenator, if you can believe it or not. Well, you know, they, the, the purpose of them, oh, the rejuvenator uh, per, uh, part of it is if you have a tube that the the – intensity is is a little weak you know you're you're still working with the you know if all the colors are getting kind of weak on it it does the it it cheats a little bit it takes the heater voltage which is normally 6.3 volts and it cranks it up to i don't know what it goes up to but it at least doubles that voltage and you will see the neck of the monitor get really really bright Hmm. and it's the intent is to burn off i don't know i guess it's carbon right it's basically the electron the, the the electron gun itself is trying to kind of burn off some of the uh, crud on it. Is that I don't know if that's an that's, official that's, word or that's not. An accurate, but the, that's an accurate word, sure. So you can you can take a monitor that is really time you know time to throw it away, and you can get some life out of it. Once again, th- thus the word rejuvenate rejuvenator. That's that's really not what I've I've rejuvenated some tubes, but I've used it. I use it more for a tester than I do for a rejuvenator because it'll qu- it'll test to see if you have any shorts if all essentially if the tube is still good mm-hmm. and it'll also remove shorts as well won't it? it will yes. remove shorts from a a similar way with it, it, with with some success some success yeah <laughs> it, it you have kind of a, a little chart that runs you down this list of all you know you turn this knob to this turn you know and it you go through the whole process and if everything works, if it doesn't work, you go through the process again. If it doesn't work, you go through the process again, and then you, just, you know, then you throw away the tube. But <laughs> it's kind of a, uh, a like a little safety, like a uh, emergency kit for uh, you know 
mm-hmm. squeeze a little bit of life out of uh, out of the tube. So anyway, these things were made for TV repairmen in the in the first place, and they have all the various adapters to go to different types of tubes and. For the life, I think it's a CR21 or CR23 that's the common one that you use for the uh, all the arcade monitors, mm-hmm. all the n- common 19-inch monitors. I actually made my adapter from – I took an old neck board <clears throat> and um, took all the parts off of it and, you know, made sure there was yeah, – and just <laughs> made my own adapter it, for it. What works, works. <laughs> as long as it works. All right. Our next question is from Ray. I have a stand-up WWF Superstars machine, which I also have a board for a WWF WrestleFest that I occasionally switch back and forth to play. Recently, the WrestleFest doesn't have volume, but the Superstars does. I was looking up uh, looking up videos regarding voltage. Once I opened the back, I turned the knob on the power supply, and now neither board works. Uh Uh-oh. No picture or sound. When they are unplugged, the power supply is on and lit up red, but when I plug the boards in, it turns off. Any clue what may be the issue? So this, we're going to have to break this up into a few different parts, right? Let's talk talk about (laughs) pre-not-working first. One was one board. So his original j- board, his JAMA board that was in the game, which is WWF WrestleFest, worked fine, had sound. But when mm-hmm. he take that board out and put in his WWF Superstars board, it did not have sound. And nope. there's several. Oh, did I say so, it backwards? Re- WrestleFest, yeah. Uh, WWF Superstars and the WrestleFest doesn't have volume. Okay. Superstars does, but that's recently, so it's a recent change. One of the Jamma one Jamma board has sound. Other Jamma board does not have sound. Yeah. What What's the problem? Well, your first thought is, well, the board's bad, right? Uh well, one would think until he touched the power supply well, knob, and b- now before, neither work. Before we go ah. too far down down that rabbit hole, let's. <laughs> I want to talk about something with the voltages on a Jamma uh, on a Jamma connector you you have your five volts which runs pretty much everything and mm-hmm. you also have 12 and you also have negative five mm-hmm. the negative five volts is not used on all JAMA games it when it is used it's often used for part of the audio amplification circuitry so the first thing, well, once again, once once we are this this is all before we turn up the voltage or alter the voltage on the power supply. My first thought would be to check the negative five volts. Make sure that all three voltages are there mm-hmm. and are correct. If they are, then of course, then you can say, yeah, you've got a you've got a board problem. And even at that point, it's you know it's 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 probably repairable. But you know, check that voltage first. Um, once again, some JAMA boards use that negative five for the audio circuitry. Some don't. So that's before we have the uh, the other problem. Yes. Before, and yes. you know what? Before we get into the other problem, the audio amplification, uh, the audio amplification circuitry on a, on these JAMA boards is usually very serviceable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like, so as you said, the the negative five is occasionally used, and usually that's done um, for the low-level audio processing before they send it off to the audio amp that drives the speaker. That's usually powered by the 12-volt supply. Um, 
but yeah, it's it, I, I think before mucking with voltages or anything, that's the voltage check is kind of the first stop. And you want to do that with a meter, and you don't want to guess. And I, you know, I think I'm going to say this every episode. Our our common buddy Ken Graham, who's a, mm-hmm. who's a uh, was a programmer for Williams back in the day. He has a nice little acronym. I don't know if he made this up himself or if he got it from somebody. I don't care where it came from. I, I attribute the acronym to him. But ASAP, always start at power. And, you know, that's something even sometimes I'll get in this mode where I know what the problem is. I'm going to go over here and fix it, and it ends up being a, a – It's I think it's something else, and I'll, it'll be a power problem. Yep. You know, almost every problem you should always, always oh, start at power. Power. And it's nice to – you know, you can eliminate that as a, as a possible problem, mm-hmm. uh, but – Let's uh, let's let's. I guess we need to kind of go forward. Let's what go happens to the, next. the meat and potatoes of what I think is going on? Okay, here. but total random guess. Uh, now that both boards don't work, and the light will turn on when there's no load, but the light will be off when there is load. I'm wondering. Usually, those games would use those little cheap little power bricks that are put together as cheaply as possible. For what twenty five, twenty six bucks, something like that. All that expensive? Yeah, that yeah. If that, if that, um, if that. So those those little power supplies, they they tend to generate a bit of heat. They usually don't supply them with any kind of ventilation in the back of the cabinet. So what would you think if turning that knob on the voltage adjustment broke that pot? Right. That's that's. Certainly, it, it would it would set that that switch mode power supply would sit there and not sure not be sure what its regulation voltage would be right and under load just go yeah no and it'll just shut down. Uh, We're hoping that he turned the voltage down and not up. That's it, the other. Let's, this is the territory. Uh, this here's the part we kind of hate to get into. But what if he turned the voltage yeah. up? Yes. Yeah, so so my my case was. Best case scenario. Eric's going to go over the worst case scenario. <laughs> Five volts. That's what you're looking for, right? And, you know, these things have a tolerance. You have uh, a lot of uh, TTL chips, transistor, transistor mm-hmm. logic. They have a tolerance. They, you know, the ceiling of the uh, what you want to see on one of those is 5.25. You only want to go as low as 4.75. You only want to go as high as 5.25. Four points, if you go too low, you I don't think you – I've never had any damage done from going too low. It won't low. damage the chip, but the chip will operate in an unreliable well, it way. It will not work properly, but it's recoverable. Yes. If you go too high, you know, realistically, if you hit 5.3, it's probably okay. But once you get up into maybe 5.5 or so or higher – Ooh, you've you've yeah. probably done some some yeah. irreversible damage. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping it's not as bad though. So I would say if a chip was damaged enough to shut down a power supply, it's going to look like a direct short right. to that power supply, and there's going to be some letting out of the magic smoke <laughs> um, that makes the game work. Uh, you, usually, not always, but usually. Um, so. I would the first place to start is voltmeter. See what that thing is putting out with the game board attached. It needs a load. 
Right. Yep. Well, that's that's where to that's where to go next. Check yeah. check your check your voltages. Hopefully, no damage, no permanent damage has been yeah. done to the boards. And if there's no voltage, just replace the whole unit. There's right. really no fixing them. Right. Yep. On All to right. the next one. All right. Our next question is from Bob. I have a Golden T ninety nine, and sometimes the monitor comes on, and other times it doesn't. It was working till I pushed the trackball too hard and hit the glass. The monitor went black at that point. <laughs> we have a little shot in front of you. Well, you're there. not, you're not playing unless you golden tee, unless you spin that ball and hit the glass. I think you're just experiencing a little shot in front of you. All right. So <laughs> I think there's a short. Now when I turn on the power, the neck tube glows for two seconds and then dies. The game still works with no picture. So I assume that means he can hear what's going on. It's a Zenith picture tube there's a part number there i won't go into that with a chassis number which we've looked up and we couldn't find what chassis it is again send pictures folks uh any ideas uh also thanks it came on today and the screen said low voltage so i turned the voltage up to 5.1 and 12 now it's back to blind play hmm Hmm. Hmm. interesting couple couple part question there with a little head scratcher at the end because now we what we thought we knew we're now scratching our head. <laughs> what first, do you think? The first is? thing we did was look this game up to see, you know, any any of these questions. We we do a little research before we we attempt to answer them, and we see like for this one, what what kind of monitor is it? Is it a? We want to see what uh, uh, resolution monitor it is. And for a Golden T ninety nine, it's a uh, standard res. Or CGA standard res is the same thing as a CGA monitor, so that's actually, in my opinion, pretty good because those those you know that's a, a really common monitor, mm-hmm. um, and so it was working until he, <laughs> he hit the trackball really hard and hit the glass and then it <laughs> then it died. He gave us a a part number, the Zenith part number, which is for the tube itself, and then a chassis number a wg wells gardner and then a number which we couldn't match that up to a particular monitor chassis we we thought maybe it's a 4900 monitor which would be an older monitor you know maybe someone's changed it uh, uh, over over the years i you know it's hard yeah very hard very hard we kind of have we we have to speculate at this point um then it came back on and he turned the voltage. So it's playing blind. Okay, here, here's here's the it's bottom line. It's blind. playing blind, right? Yep. And of course, what would be helpful in this situation is to know, even though he did give us numbers, the, the they don't cross reference to anything that's on the internet. So we're we're assuming he's maybe missing a digit or added a, added a digit in there somewhere. But uh, did do we did we determine what size monitor that was? Was it a twenty-five or? A it's 19? either a twenty-five or a twenty-seven, um, but there's there's definitely some some interesting points in this question that we had to whittle out and eliminate some possibilities. Right. So the last part of the question where it says that the screen came on and the screen said low voltage, um, at first we thought maybe that was an LCD monitor, uh, but then he's talking about neck tube glow right so it's definitely a tube monitor um but the interesting part is that the the neck glows for two seconds and then goes away right right what do you think 
One thing that can cause that is you know, any tube monitor has a high voltage, uh, a high voltage component to it. And there is some protection circuitry built into even even these really old monitors. There's some protection circuitry built into it to if the voltage goes too high, it goes into a protection mode. Actually, X-ray protection yes. mode. Doesn't doesn't that sound scary? Well, X-ray it protection, is. It, and it should be. It should be. If the if the if the anode voltage goes too high, then you in fact can hold up a a a, a Kodak you know Instamatic behind you and take a picture of your brain. <laughs> we don't want that, do we? <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> That would be bad. So potentially, it could be going into uh, the, uh, protection mode if it if it turns on and then shuts off. There and there's some symptoms of that. Sometimes, uh, you know, once again, not not knowing exactly which monitor we have, some of them will just kind of uh, uh, click or make a noise and just they they keep trying to reset themselves and keep trying to pa- uh, cycle and thinking that it might have the problem might be corrected, but it just keeps going in this this loop. Uh, but what we can knock this down to is the, the, you know, okay, so we have a monitor problem. What's, what's the problem? And, uh, you know, I would start, you know, what you, you hear us talk about the, the miracle cure recapping the monitor. This one, I might actually start with the fly replacing a flyback first and as well as the hot, the horizontal output transistor. I would go as far as to say before replacing any components, what you really want to check to see is if the monitor has its heartbeat on it. Does it have B-plus voltage? Oh, yeah, there we go. And is it too high? If it's too high, the monitor will go into shutdown mode. If there's no B-plus at all, um, I would say that, yeah, it could be the regulator. If it's a switch mode, if it's, if it's one of the newer monitors that uses a switch mode power supply for its B-plus, then you're going to want to look at stuff like that. Hey, Chris. But certainly. Hey, Chris. Hey. What's, what's, what's B plus? What's B plus? Well, it's, it's, it's better than a D or an F. Uh, no. <laughs> so, so back in, back in the old days, it was battery voltage. Right. Uh, it was tube, were, the old tube days. The old tube days. There were A batteries and B batteries, and the B batteries was the high voltage uh, for the grid and things of that nature. Um, it, yeah, go go on po- eBay po- and look for the old because they. You, yeah, I think you, they have them on eBay. The old B batteries. They're still yes, there's still people that supply them. They they still manufacture those batteries, and, and if you're an old radio enthusiast, you can you can still locate them. Um, and and hopefully some of those old tube guys aren't listening to this, and and I'm hoping that I didn't get it wrong with. Yeah, they're screaming. No, that's no, not what the backwards <laughs> wrong. That's for, from from the holes in my brain for the information that hasn't leaked out yet. That's to the best of my recollection. <laughs> that's my that's my Oliver North version of what a B plus is. <laughs> so. <laughs> So B B plus typically on a monitor is going to vary monitor to monitor. You're going to want to check the service manual to find out what the specific B plus is going to be. Some monitors are 120 volts. Some monitors are 130 volts. It should be right at there. Uh, If there's a a B plus adjustment, you'll want to adjust it down um, to whatever it needs to be. Um, And, you know, after you do a, 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 if your monitor is working and you're just doing a, or not working, working, you do a cap kit on it. The, you should check the B plus voltage after you, you do still that. Still check the B plus voltage right. just to make sure that you're not operating too close to that X-ray shutdown mode because you might find that just one day your monitor just goes black and it works fine. You pull the plug, everything resets. You plug it back in and it starts working. That that's 
a good symptom of something just being adjusted a little too close to uh, to the edge. So what we're telling Bob is check your B and you know he he's already talking about turning the voltage up to five point one. So we know and twelve. So we know he has a voltmeter. So get yes. F- determine which chassis monitor chassis you have. Get the schematic for it. Uh, you, okay, here's where I like to go for monitor schematics. I don't. Do you, I don't know if you have your place that you like my to hard drive. I've I've downloaded every <laughs> downloaded one all of them. of them. Yes, they're all local to uh, me. But yes, where do you go? Arc 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 Mission dot com. I think is, I should be looking hmm. at the computer. I think I, from memory, I think that's correct though. Uh, what I don't even what it was ARC. It's it has it means something, but Arc-arc? yeah, the ARC means something. I don't remember what it means, but they have all, they have so many. <laughs> <laughs> they have the mind reels. <laughs> uh, the they have all the main uh, monitor. Uh, uh, yeah, all the major monitors uh, have the schematics are there for for that. So excellent. <laughs> so check your check your B plus voltage if it's within spec. Uh, I would start with replacing the flyback and the hot the horizontal output transistor, and uh, then lastly go for the cap kit. Usually I say first go for the cap kit, but with the uh, if it's going into high voltage protection, I might I would pro- personally I would start with uh, with the others. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well. Hmm. I think I would start looking at replacing the hot first. The flyback is usually a last resort unless the flyback has got some, I would some have, physical I damage. Um, or if you're trying to address a focus problem or something like that where the vo- the focus is unstable, that's where you'd start looking at the flyback. Um, but yeah, if generally if you've got B+, plus but the monitor is not functional, the hot and... and, and while you've got the board out if you're doing that stuff yeah throw a cap kit in there you never know there you go. it might be part of the horizontal oscillator that you know a cap needs to uh, be there for it to function sure why not okay let's go on to the next one all right what do you think kendall asks i have this display problem with my street fighter 2 turbo here we go with this turbo again right i think he needs to talk to al hole 420 <laughs> could, do you think we could connect them together i think they should <laughs> <laughs> And I was wondering if anybody can point me in the right direction. If he he's he mentions a YouTube, he has a YouTube link here, and of course we're going to have oh, to yes. do our best to describe what we saw on the screen. We we saw a, a few things. Of course, he has a he narrates what's going on with it, and so I'm going to talk about one thing, and and Chris, you can talk about the other. So he shows him playing the game, and what I noticed immediately is that you know this is a monitor that should have red green and blue in it and it had no oh we looked at this two days ago was it green Look at this two it's days green. ago it was either red or green he was mi- or, he's mi- he wasn't was, missing red he's was, missing green or blue it just looked really washed out as he mentions you can't see the status bar of of how much energy that you know and i said well there's there's no there's no green there's missing a color <laughs> so if we have we're missing a color on a monitor you you know well where's where's the problem is it the game board is it the monitor? Well, you, you can test that pretty quickly with um, uh, it, the the the, mon- the connection to the monitor is kind of a standard connector, and you've got if you look down, I mean, it literally goes red, green, blue, or the first first pins, and you can um, here's here's what I do if I've got you know if I'm missing a color, 
I, I want to know quickly which where the problem is. Is it the game board? Is it the monitor? So I take to pop off the connector, take my little small flathead screwdriver, pop the the pins out, and I'll swap two of the colors. Now it's going to look wrong, but it will let you know if there's a a you know if the problem you know where, where the problem is. Right. And so since he's missing, I really think I think it was the green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so swap your let's say your red let's swap your red and your greens then are you are you now getting your green if you if you are then the you know the monitor is working properly and it's with the game board if you still are missing that that color then you know it's with the monitor uh, then you know n- now we get into kind of a you know what's what's what what monitor do we have where's the problem you immediately start with is it a, a bad solder joint on the back of that particular connector i think mm-hmm. i see that more often than when you're missing a certain color on a monitor that's what i see the most mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a bad solder joint on the uh connector um certainly any anything to mm-hmm. add to that part of it uh, not to that part for missing colors. That's absolutely true. It's just kind of follow follow the circuit. Uh, I would I would say another trick that you can use uh, on occasion. I've I've been caught throwing a pair of metallic tweezers across two of the pins. Oh, there for you the go. Color pins. That way you don't have to remove any of the uh, uh, if they're accessible. Uh, so essentially, say short out the red and the green pin together. That way, um, those colors are driven by the same line, and if it's an issue with the board. You'll immediately see that color appear. Right. And once again, the picture's not going to look correct. It's You have to kind of interpolate from what you're seeing on the screen, which, you know, which, which, what's going on. And also, you have the, uh, the, the, the drive of, let's say you don't get that color. Let's say you do the swap and you still don't have the green. The next thing I would do is turn up the green uh, on the neck board, turn up the green drive, and if the, then you do get the color, then you know that the problem exists between in the circuitry between the input and the neck and the actual tube itself. But if you don't get the color, ooh, that's that's bad. That means you've yeah. you you've, probably, you've got a bad tube. Yeah. Uh, but so colors, the, those color inputs and everything, how a monitor works, are built on the foundation that that the the monitor has the capability of displaying things brightly. And I think one of the overarching uh, issues with this particular monitor issue that, that Kendall has submitted to us is that he was filming this with all the lights off. And he says, when he turns the lights on in the room, you can barely see what's on the monitor. So it sounds like there's, there's just low brightness in general. Um, and when he attempts to turn up the brightness, the, the colors will bloom and get blurry. Right. Um, so to me, that implies either one, we can break out our friend, the picture two, the CRT rejuvenator. <laughs> it, it may, it may just be a case of weak emissions from the picture tube. Um, however, it could also mean that something is going on, uh, with low high voltage, um, because the, the in, in order for that picture tube to actually get the, the colors brilliant and bright on the screen. It needs a good potential of high voltage to pull those electrons out of the gun at the other end of the tube and make them hit the phosphorus. So um, 
depending on the age of the monitor or what's going on, uh, short of getting a high voltage probe to actually measure the high voltage, it might just be less expensive to simply replace, replace the flyback. The flyback, right? Uh, and that'll and that'll replace all in one unit the uh, the screen adjustment pot as well as the focus adjustment pot all in, in one unit and um, see if that fixes you up. Right, I I agree. All right, let's move on to the next one. This one's from Jesse. I am buying a Mortal Kombat 2 arcade that the monitor was working fine and then would go dark after a few minutes. Now it won't power on at all. Any ideas? You hmm. know, we we dissected this this question and, this and the wording familiar. of it. And it, start, it started off with, I am buying a Mortal Kombat 2, which which implies he, <laughs> he, has, he has not yet. taken ownership yet. Yes, yeah. Now, if I was in this situation, I'm, uh, someone's selling a game, and the monitor was working fine, then it goes dark after a few minutes. Uh, it 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 looks like he, from what he from the way he worded this that the game is still working and we'll make this assumption you know Jesse is the is the can you still hear the sounds is it playing blind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know I, that's not going to keep me from buying the game nope it changes the price yeah. <laughs> that I'm willing so, to pay so that's, for the so game so that's your idea is to lower the offer <laughs> <laughs> that is my that is also my idea is to immediately lower the offer uh, what ask yourself what is your time worth to fix this monitor? Right. Do you have the skill set to fix this monitor? And you know, you have to pay somebody. You know, Chris, you don't have to fix this monitor either. <laughs> this is uh, uh, this is Mortal Kombat Two. We looked it up. It's our uh, it's it's uh, our good friend, the CGA monitor. Yes, so very which common. is you know the most common. Uh, arcade one. Well, I, I don't know that I can say that. Yeah, no, I can't. I think yeah, I can say that. It, you you can say that. It's factual. It's true. So it's um, you know it's. I think it's probably. I don't think it said what size it is, but Mortal Kombat. It's probably going to be a twenty five. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you think? I'd agree. I'd agree with that. And I, you know, here in we're in the metropolis of Houston. I, I you know, it's if I want a twenty five inch CGA monitor, and I put you know I send something out to our little local arcade group. I I know tomorrow I can have one for a <laughs> very reasonable price. Yes, as a matter of fact, I think somebody gave me a twenty five inch monitor recently. Who was that? I don't know. <laughs> Some guy, some guy in a truck on the side of the road. I don't even know. <laughs> but if if you're if you're you know it's still in uh, trying to negotiate a price for this, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be scared at all to to buy this. And you know, if you if you want to take the easy route, just swap the monitor. You know, pick up a nineteen, uh, pick up a twenty five inch uh, CGA mm-hmm. monitor, swap it out, and uh, you know you around I've. I, Around here, you can pick one of those up for fifty dollars. Yeah, so, very true. Very true. You know, spend fifty dollars mm-hmm. on a monitor. Another, you know, get it. To go ahead, do the cap kit on it. Yeah, you know, you've and uh, if you can get that that game for a decent price. Now, you and I are maybe a little different than other people. I'm, you know, buying a project game doesn't scare me in the least. Not it's at actually all. kind of fun. I, you know, I think I'd rather buy a project game. Than a good working, I feel like yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm cheating if I buy a game that already works. Yes, but it, you know, funny enough, it's it's always love hate for me. So <laughs> I, I I'm I get really nervous and anxious the, with the fact that it doesn't work until it works. 
But if I were to buy a, a game working out of the box, I'd probably go, yeah. Okay. Well, what, what can I do to it? What can Unless I- it's a <laughs> Ghostbusters <laughs> pinball. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's you know fixing it's half the fun, right? Right. So. Well, for us at least, right? Well, ho- hopefully whoever's <laughs> listening here is, isn't hanging by our every word going, oh my God, help me fix my machine. <laughs> and that there are some people that have an interest in and find it fun to fix these machines and and discover the technology that was there back in the days and and hopefully realize that it really hasn't changed all that much okay so that's what you need to do with it well if if that's what if you want the game don't be scared of it get it it you know replace the monitor you can no and of course once you find out what monitor it is you can go the route of of attempting to uh to to not attempting to fix it we're not going to attempt to fix it we're going to fix it fix the game <laughs> fix the game fix the game play yes. the game <laughs> next question brandon my 1990 nintendo play choice arcade game screen turns blue but the games won't come up any ideas what it could be Play Choice Arcade. So Play Choice, they had the Play Choice, they had the Play Choice 5, Play Choice 10, but it's all essentially the same concept, same architecture. Mm-hmm. It was a motherboard that would have these modules or daughter boards that would connect to that were the games themselves. Almost like you buy your Nintendo game, your Nintendo entertainment system. Right. And then you'd get your cartridge and plug into it. Well it's the same thing here. It's a jukebox for Nintendo. It's a ju- it's I a guess. jukebox, right. Yes. And you put the game in and it, it plays that game. So when he turns it on it turns turns blue. First hmm. thing first thing I would do is, you know, Pop, pop it. Uh, get, uh, take take the game, uh, the, the the game module or the game daughter board out of it, and clean the contacts of it, and and put it back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look. You know, how do the contacts look? Are they you know in good shape? You know, uh, some just just like the uh, just like the old NES system. You sometimes just the act of reinserting it is is mm-hmm. good enough. Um, maybe use a little deoxid on it, which is a kind of a spray spray cleaner that cleans the contacts mm-hmm. uh, of very it. good stuff. Uh, but you know he's getting a blue screen to, and so blue screen. If it if the if the monitor were bad, you know you would just get a you would or you would you'd get, get nothing. Screen. You would get a black screen, <laughs> right? Yep. So I, I'm I'm really think that this is just a you know, not a not a monitor problem but a problem with the game board and i think it's just simply not communicating with the with the game daughter board Mm. itself there you go um any any thoughts on that one well so i i would uh take your your advice of removing the game cartridge or a game module from the board if if it's a play choice 5 or a play choice 10 chances are there's multiple modules on the board is that right? Oh, Multiple if it's slots. if it's a five or a ten, right? So remove all of them except for one, just to eliminate. So if there's a bad module somewhere and it's killing the game, um, chance of that you know getting fixed by removing the bad as many bad ones as possible and then trying it again. Um, this is probably also going to be a case where immediately I'm going to look for making sure that five volts is at the board. Right, proper well, five. Always volts. start always at start power. At, start at power. <laughs> um, and so the only question I have that's coming up in my head is, is the blue screen being generated by the board 
Or is the blue screen just sort of the lead color gun of the monitor kind of taking on a blue bias and showing a blue raster? Interesting. Um, so it's so that that's going to be that's going to be my approach is is look for power, reduce the number of potential problems on the board by removing as many of the game cartridges as possible, uh, and seeing if the board boots. So a couple of things while you were mentioning that that I thought of is first maybe it's time maybe you go on ebay and you know are there maybe there's another game that you would like to play in it get a good working daughter board another game that you could plug into it so you can eliminate the 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 game itself uh secondly disconnect the disconnect the monitor from it and see if it you know if if you disconnect the monitor and it's still a solid blue screen well that kind of changes things i don't think that's going to happen that's that's the one of the more unlikely mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. situations but it you know it it will help in the troubleshooting process but uh i really think he's just you know there's going to be a, a connection problem between yeah. the two of them or or i would say that's the most likely uh uh cause of it sure okay sounds good Our next question from Justin. I own an Atari Vapor TRX, and it seems to randomly reset itself. Not sure as to why it was working fine. Thanks for your help. What do you think, Eric? (laughs) I think I've never played that game before. I've never heard of that (laughs) game before. Yeah, we once again we these these newfangled games that you (laughs) newfangled (laughs) games get off my lawn. (laughs) I had one fire button and I liked it. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to do a little, little, and we played video games uphill in the snow both ways. (laughs) In the snow, (laughs) snow no less. (laughs) <laughs> we had to look this game up to see what this game was all about. More specifically, what the you know, look at the schematic to see see uh, what what type of power supply, what type of uh, you know how it's how it's arranged, what the architecture of the game board is. And what we found was this is uses a even though it's not um, some some newer games actually use a computer motherboard, and but this one was a uh, dedicated. You know, it was built for for the game, mm-hmm. but it is still an ATX power supply, mm-hmm. and it is working off a hard drive, an IDE hard drive. Right. The first thing that I'm this is simply because this is the easiest thing to check is the ATX power supply is going to be easy, easy to replace. Mm-hmm. Going to be that's going to be a common item you can get from your computer hopefully you're in a big city then you can get up and go to your computer supply store right right right. and you know we're talking about a reset so you know the first thing we want to check is you know we want to make sure we've got good quality good voltage there good but a a, a, what what was the acronym again always started power asap (laughs) you want a game to work asap asap (laughs) all right so we start with the power supply, and, you know, this game is... Do you remember what, what year this was? We, uh, I wanted was to it? say it was 90. Or, or early 2000s, or... maybe late 90s. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, yeah. So Somewhere the it's getting all of it. Instead of, instead of having uh, EPROMs on it, everything is coming off of a hard drive. And wow, a fifteen-year-old hard drive. Fifteen-year-old hard drive stuck in a hot box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna fail. Yeah, 
you, the the thing that's that's being done a lot now is is converting getting rid of these hard drives and putting the image the image of the hard drive onto a compact flash mm-hmm. now the procedure for you can go you can search online and you can find the procedure for it or you you can you can go on eBay a lot of people have uh for the more common games like a I don't know like a cruising USA or killer instinct or whatever you can buy the compact flash already imaged ready to go plug and play relatively inexpensive i think you know 30 40 dollars this game being that it's not quite as maybe not quite as common might be a little harder to find you know a a compact flash ready to go but regard even if the power supply is the problem i would really really recommend changing getting rid of the hard drive and going to a compact flash card once again tutorials are are online on how to do this but it just it's going to be so much more reliable once you get rid of that mechanic that hard drive spinning at 5400 rpm for 15 years yeah with those hard drives it's not a question of if it's really a question of when and chris you and i are both it people we are and uh i don't know have you ever seen a hard drive go bad (laughs) often Mm. (laughs) and definitely certain models of hard drive more so than others What's the it was Seagate? I think that's the one. I... So it's the <laughs> are they? It's the Seagate three terabyte well, drives. We're, we're we're going off on a tangent yes. here, aren't we? Yes, yes. <laughs> if you ever, if you ever if you ever decide that you want to uh, uh, find some interesting information, just Google hard drive failure rates, and there's plenty of studies from these large cloud storage companies that have. I mean, they're they're buying, they're purchasing hundreds and hundreds of hard drives a week and putting them in, and they're providing statistics as to their failure rates versus how many they have installed, and there is a few stars in the uh, the failure, <laughs> <laughs> the failure column there. That's very very fascinating. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Tom says, "Hey there, I'm having some sound trouble with my special criminal investigation cabinet." I replaced the PCB. Game works great, but no sound. It has two volume knobs above the cache door and one on the PCB. I bypassed the two knobs on the coin door and still nothing. Any suggestions? I'm not sure if the speakers need an amp. Thanks for any help. We have... Okay, so once again, these newfangled games. Well, actually, oh. actually, you know what? That one wasn't that new. I, it wasn't. I, it was. Yeah, I think actually that was late eighties. Tato. I think so. Yeah. Or yep. maybe nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So we looked up the schematic for this one. Right and uh, do you want to do you want to take this one or do you want me to go with well, it? Well, it's fascinating. Okay, well, I, I'll, I think we can banter back and forth. There's no 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 reason why not. So one of the interesting things that that popped out to both Eric and myself about this particular game is that the audio section actually has a separate auxiliary audio power supply, uh, and I think we looked up the connector pins that you can check for voltage, and if you put your voltmeter. Uh, on DC setting and measure between pins 5 and 1 on connector P24, 
Which, you, which is auxiliary power supply okay. number two. Number two. Oh, there's two? There were there were two. Number one was for, I don't remember what it was for, but it wasn't for sound. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, but if there's two auxiliary audio boards, you could check both, right? Sure. Hey, why not? And you should see 13 volts DC or thereabouts. It doesn't sound like it's going to be regulated if it's 13 Probably, volts. Probably, right. So you can expect a range of, you know, 14, 15 volts all the way down to 11 volts. It just depends. Um, and... Check your voltage on that and see if, you've, if, if a fuse is blown somewhere for that. Okay, so coming out, of the, coming out of the audio amplifier, it goes through, just as he mentions, two pots, two potentiometers mm-hmm. on the coin door, which is just a, you know, that's sometimes your, sometimes your volume control is before the amplifier. Sometimes it's after the amplifier. If right. it's after the amplifier, it's going to be a little bit beefier, right? It's going to be beefier. It's actually referred to as an L-pad. Right. Uh, and it's different from a potentiometer in that, one, the potentiometer wouldn't handle that kind of wattage. Uh, two, an L-pad is wired such that the audio amplifier sees the same load regardless of what the position of the wipers in, and it may even sometimes it may even be a, uh, a if I can pronounce it right a rheostat, uh, like a wire wound rheostat. <laughs> you know, I guess we, we don't need to get into all of that, but <laughs> he's 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 tested all that. I think did he say he went straight to Does the? Does that mean if you have two of them and you have diarrhea stats? <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris. Oh, that's not what it means. <laughs> You're like no. <laughs> uh. So let's. Anyway. <laughs> so back. Okay, back. Back to. Uh, back back to, to seriousness. Back right. To Tom says. <laughs> so yeah, so that's first. That's, first check voltage yes. at the at the uh, uh, power supply that for and you know this is one single voltage for the audio amplifier circuit, uh, so that's good. You know sometimes you have multiple voltages for this, so this this makes it kind of easy. Uh, you may want to check your. Speaker itself, uh, I don't know if it's one or two speakers, but if you look at the actual output of the... Now, this will be coming from... This will be at your uh, coin door where the potentiometers mm-hmm. were. You're, you're going to typically see like a 4-ohm or an 8-ohm uh, resistance if you put your multimeter on DC resistance. Uh, you want to make sure that your... Spe- well, you know, that your speaker's not bad, that you have... Right, a, right. You know, that you see 4 or 8-ohms on that. Uh, if they put this, you know, if there's two speakers, if they put them in series, if one speaker is bad, uh, you know, then you know it's an open circuit. It's you're you're not going to see anything. But uh, you know, I'm I'm leaning more towards it being a uh, problem with that that power supply. Power supply fuses fuses happen. F- fuses fusage happens. But <laughs> <laughs> but so and and so uh, another also another quick way to quickly test speakers that a lot of people often overlook is a simple. Double A battery and, oh, and put some yeah. test leads on it. Disconnect the uh, the speaker feed from the amplifier so that you're connecting those two wires to the harness and just tap against the uh, the two speaker terminals. And if you hear click 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 from the speaker, you know it's good. I don't know. I don't know if I told you this. My my first job was a car stereo installer. Me too. Was it really? It was. I would install CD this, radios. This was back in nineteen. 19- <laughs> this was a long time ago. Nineteen eighty. 1980- 
Three. Oh, you've got me beat. This wow. was in 1987 for me. But anyway, awesome! Wow. So like, that wow. that's yeah, that was an old there. old trick of the trade. I we used yeah. or I used uh-huh. a nine volt battery uh, because <laughs> the terminals were just just the correct just a good distance to. Uh, to pop, we, the, that was what you would call pop the speaker, right? Yes, I'm, a, I'm actually having a moment here because now that I remember it, that job, <laughs> I guess DVMs were not really universal like they Dig- are today. Digital, digital voltmeters. voltmeters. And so we had the voltmeter that had the, the actual meter movement in it. The analog meter. The analog meter, and those put out more current. Right. And so you would right. use that directly to get your speaker pop. So we didn't even have to use an isolated battery. We just used that meter. <laughs> uh, good now times. I, now good I am times. feeling good old times. here. <laughs> I guess on that note, we'll go on to the next one. All right. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll read this guy here. Uh, this is from Tech Boys Team with a Z. Another another with a Z. No, not with a Z. <laughs> uh, hi, I have a custom-built name, 69-in-1 machine, and my P1 and P2 start buttons don't work. Where would be the best place to buy them, and how do I repair it? I'm not an engineer. We're going to make some assumptions here. First, First thing is that it's not an actual MAME machine, that it's not a computer-based uh, MAME cabinet, that it's – he mentions a 69-in-1. And a further assumption is maybe he's talking about a 60-in-1 board, probably. Probably. Which is – well, uh, let's let's assume that he's talking about a multi, multi-board. That's, oh, whether it's a 60-in-1 or a 19-in-1 or a whatever-in-one. Which will be a JAMA board. Yes. Okay. So his player one and player two start buttons don't work. Where's the best place to buy them? Let's let's not jump to the conclusion that the buttons are bad. You know, all the newer buttons are going to be micro switch buttons, and you know, if you had one button that was bad, you know, that's that's one thing. But two two player one and player two, yeah, pro- probably not. Right. Probably not. And if they're older switches, like old leaf switches, even when they're bad, they're still good. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, you, you know, enough, start enough presses, you'll they'll start working. Exactly. So the so how do we go about testing um, the the buttons on it? Well, you know, before we talk about that, how does it how does it work? Like how does how do all the inputs get back to the game? Well, good question. Uh, most arcade games is. is most of them, whether it's jammer or not, jammer or not, uh, all the way to the early eighty games, eighties games, and some of the seventies games. Um, so what the game board will do is they'll use something called a pull-up resistor, and it's basically just it's it's taking the like the the player one start um, input will will be pulled up to five volts by this resistor, and then the switch will short that input down to ground. Right. When it's activated. And so the board is looking for that transition from the pulled up 5 volts down to 0 volts of ground. And that's how it knows when the switch is activated. So, okay. From a wiring perspective, so what, what's that going to look like on the, the JAMA connector? So on the JAMA connector, there's, well, there's a, a certain number of pins that are specifically for uh, input. And if you were interested in looking at uh, the player 1 and player 2 pin on the JAMA connector and taking your voltmeter, uh, you can measure from ground to those input pins and you should see five 
volts across it. Okay, so... Without the button being pressed. But as far as how you're going to lay out all the buttons, what you have is you have a ground wire that goes up to all of your... Daisy chains. All in series or... Da- so your ground connector is going to go to all one side of all of the buttons. Correct. So when you press whatever button, it grounds that line. It will rest at 5 volts or whatever the game board pulls it up to, but it when you hit the button, it's going to ground that button. So that's that's kind of key as far as the troubleshooting process of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So Absolutely. how how would how would you troubleshoot the, a particular button? Well, and so and with control panels, lifted grounds or broken grounds from that daisy chain are very common. Uh, so you can start just very simply for all of the buttons that are on that control panel. If you can measure continuity between uh, one switch on that has a, the ground wire and all of the other switches ground wire and you get continuity, you know that everything is okay on the control panel. Now you can test from the control panel to the ground of, say, the power supply um, and if that's okay, then I would start looking at the actual switch wire that's going from the switch to the JAMA connector and making sure that there is continuity there. So let's let's take this this question and assume that the other buttons are working, but not the player one and player two. So everything else seems to be working, I, you know, but player one and the, the start the two start buttons aren't working. So what are we going to do to test? those particular buttons we've got our meter mm-hmm. we've got our meter out what what how do we test that <laughs> uh well depending which side of the machine you're standing on so a really really quick test is to measure the voltage across the two terminals of the switch do you have five volts if you do you know you have ground potential on the switch and you also know that you have an input on the switch um so if you're pressing the player one and player two button and the game still isn't responding, that's when you need to actually check and verify that player one and player two are actually connected to player one and player two <laughs> right. on the jammer connector and not some like player two control somewhere. Well, this, this brings up kind of a something else. I've seen really poor jamma harnesses, uh, yeah. Mislab- you know, mislabeled, just poor quality. Let so let let's assume that our JAMA harness is a good quality one. Okay. Uh, you know, f- first thing is our meter. You know, we we know what. Uh, assuming you know what cont- continuity is on your meter, you there's usually a setting on your digital me- voltmeter where when you touch the two leads together, it goes beep. Right. <laughs> Is that how it sounds? How does this, how's it go again? Beep. No, higher, higher. No, I can't go any higher. higher Come than on. Oh, no, can't man. do it. Oh, that's not a good impression. Try again. <laughs> now, now, what you can do, and this this will kind of uh, be a catch-all. Well, it will. It, this will test your harness as well as the button itself. So if you unplug the JAMA harness from the game board, and you take one of your test leads and put it in the ground connector, and there's multiple ground connectors, and it's all you know, it's always going to be a, a black wire unless mm-hmm. you get some kind of funky two dollar one that the, the wire made by a are. colorblind guy <laughs> in some sweatshop somewhere. You can uh, you can put one of your test leads when you're in continuity mode, and you can put one test lead in the ground wire, and then you look. Um, 
you, you, you determine which is your player one start, your player two start, mm-hmm. put your test lead in that, hit the button, and you hear the beep. <laughs> beep. And uh, if, you, if you don't, then, you know, just trace the wires back. Is, is the problem with the switch? Really, to diagnose this properly, you're, you're going to have to have a, a meter, right? Generally, I would say that's true. So um, you can, I mean, you can, if you don't have a meter, you can always manually short the player one contact at the JAMA connector when the game is on. Oh, that's true. That's uh, true. And see if the board responds. So you can isolate it down to a, whether it's a board problem or you can say, okay, this really is a harness problem or a button problem. And if everything checks out with the harness, if you do this that check and everything seems fine, you, you can go back to what Chris said, check to see if the you know, you have the the five volts on that on that line uh, so that you know the pull up resistor. I know that's getting kind of a kind of technical it's when a, we're talking about pull up resistors. Yeah, it's a quickie test. Mm. If you've got five volts across a switch, chances are pretty good that. Um, and, and when you press it, it doesn't spark. <laughs> chances are pretty good that it's actually connected to an input. The big question now remains: Is it the, is right it the correct input? input? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's jump to the next one. Brad asks. I just recently got my Super Mario Brothers game working, but there are faint lines going horizontal across through the screen. Whoa, a, a game that we know? What? 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 This what? from the eighties? From the eighties? Wow. Okay. Oh, man, I know this game. <laughs> All right, he's getting faint lines going horizontal through the screen. The adjustments do not help. I'm assuming a capacitor problem. The lines are over the entire screen and are two inches apart. Two inches. Man, this sounds familiar. It's very familiar to me. What, what does that sound like to it's you? It's retrace. It's, it's uh, what happens if you turn the brightness or screen all the way up or mostly up on, um, on a monitor. You can see what are called retrace lines. Um, the easiest way to explain it is... As the CRT is painting the picture from left to right and then quickly returning to left to paint the next line down, and once it paints the entire picture, the monitor now wants to make the beam go right back up to the top of the screen as quickly as it can. Um, And so what you will see are these lines that are two inches apart um, or so, roughly. You'll see, what I want to say, about eight eight to ten retrace lines on the screen. Um, and the beam, it's intended that during retrace that the beam is off. But if you have the screen turned up too high, you'll still see the motion of that. So the simple solution is... So he, he, he states he suspects that it might be a capacitor problem. I would say if you suspect it, just do the cap kit. But... Um, I would also go so far as to say don't um, don't discount a good color balance adjustment right on a monitor and what that means is um, and there's a good procedure in most Wells Gardner manuals certainly for the K seven thousand manual and some other ones they give a procedure where you turn down the screen voltage or the screen adjustment and turn some of the neckboard pots up to where um, well, for lack of a better term, you set the color balance of the monitor and it, it sets the, the most ideal operating um, parameters for all the amplifiers that are used for the colors. 
Right. So if you if you have a monitor that is working properly, new cap kit, everything's working properly. If you essentially turn up the brightness too high, you're going to see this, right? Yep, you will see this. So this is not indicative of a necessarily a bad monitor. This is more of an adjustment issue than it is a problem with the monitor. But you know, we're going to we're going to say this forever. You know, (laughs) if if it hasn't been done, do a cap kit on the monitor. If it hasn't been done in ten years, you know, might as well go ahead and do it. Do the cap kit. Yes, indeed. I, I'm I, I'm going to assert that there are possibly some capacitors involved in the circuitry that is responsible for shutting the beam off right. during retrace. So, um, just depending on the mo- model of the monitor, um, that could be true. So, do a cap kit anyway, and then go and do a, a base adjustment. But the key thing is that it needs to be adjusted properly. Go through the yes. Okay. Indeed. All right. All right. Well, our next question is from Joshua. I picked up an Ultimate Arcade 2 from a garage sale the other day. The main screen works fine with 50% of the games, but the other 50 just go to static or horizontal lines and the music plays. I hit exit and all goes back to normal. Any ideas? So this is Ultimate Arcade 2. This is This is a newer game from... Is that Chicago Gaming? I think makes that. So it's oh. it's a licensed. It's it's basically a new arcade machine that plays old arcade games, and they're all, I guess you could say, emulated. I'm sure they're. they're I mean, it's not running the original hardware. It's emulated, correct? But right. it is fully licensed games running right. off of a. It's on a PC. new computer, right? Yep. And. You can add more games. They they it's a it's kind of a nice system. You yeah. can pay for for more more games. And... So some of the games work, but some of them just give horizontal lines across. You can see some of you know part of the game. It's but it's you're you're not seeing uh, uh, the complete game. What I'm I'm going to pass this one back to you because you did a little <laughs> research on this. I did very little research looking for for anything that had to do with. Uh, setting scan rates or or screen resolutions or things like that, and I think just it, what it's a it's a natural part of the beast when you're doing game emulation that uh, some sometimes the the frequencies for the the video resolution modes shift a little bit and and you might get um, a slightly faster scan rate for some games and a slightly slower scan rate for other games. So uh, the only thing I can suggest is that launch one of the games that shows the static horizontal lines. Adjust the horizontal hold until you get a stable picture and then back out and then go to one of the other games that you knew worked before and see if you get a stable game. Uh, And then just run through some of the other 50 games. Um, if, if it still continues to be a problem, then further troubleshooting would be needed. Um, and of course we're going to throw CapKit out there cause uh, that also has to do with some stability <laughs> and horizontal scanning. But, and, and, you know, um, we, we, we tried to get as much information as we could on this game, but what we, we really couldn't come down. Well, there really is no schematic because it's going to be a computer based computer. Yep. And I'm going to make an assumption here that this, that, you know, that we have just a conventional VGA output on the game. I, you know, if it were my machine, I would, I would, if it has that, 
I would actually try a different monitor on it to see if the, you know, the sync rate, you know, you know, some monitors do better with multiple sync rates than other monitors. Um, now, if you if you put another monitor in and then it works properly, you know, I think they're just, you know, those are just flat screen uh, LCD monitors. You know, it'd probably be an easy swap to, uh, you know, if you, if you if one did work to. Uh, you know what, now that, I, now that you mentioned it, I don't know if I've ever seen one actually working, but I think the ones that I did see were CRT based. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay. It was still CRT. But if, if, it's, uh, if there's a static horizontal lines in an LCD, yeah, let, let me know. I'm curious if, if that's true. Um, I'm thinking if it's an LCD. You screen, know, I, I would actually kind out. of, I would like a follow-up if, if uh, so Joshua... If you're if you're listening to this, give us a give us a follow up. I would really like to know what type of monitor you have in that game. Maybe we can do a little do a little more with this question. Yeah, if we, actually, uh, yeah, we'd like some follow up. That would be awesome. And it's also a good way to see if anybody's actually even listening it, to us. Is, is anybody out is, there? Hello, is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next one. Next one is from Francesco. Hi there. I recently purchased a WrestleFest Gemma board and plugged it into my WWF Superstars cabinet. Man, this sounds familiar. This, this is like the reverse the guys? of the... Yeah. <laughs> okay, these three guys need to get together and just build a, a good game out of their stuff. <laughs> so he plugs the uh, WrestleFest Gemma board into his WWF Superstars cabinet, which is, you know, it's all Gemma. It works great except co- all colors are red, some black. I'm not very tech-savvy, and I wonder if it's a simple fix. Super, the Superstars game works great as well, and all the colors are present, so I know it's not a monitor issue. Any help would be greatly appreciated. So he's saying that the original, the, the, the cabinet with the original game is working great. He takes the, the game board out and plugs the other game board in, and it's, everything's red. Hmm. So we, we, we should immediately know that the monitor is, is okay. Monitor's good, yeah. Yep. It'll... It's JAMA. You know, all the – the first thing I would do is look at the edge connector on the, the, the suspect game board. Clean it off. Use a pencil eraser, a fiberglass, fiberglass pen, um, and see if that's the problem. But, you know, it, it – we definitely know that the problem is with the game on on the board. And so what, what else you can do is um, a lot of times if boards like that get mishandled, you might find broken or cracked resistors that are carrying those color signals. Good visual inspection of the board. Good visual inspection. Make sure that nothing there's, there's no missing components uh, on that board that would, that might carry some of those signals. Uh, Otherwise, uh, Looking at the board itself, it looked like everything was pretty integrated for the video right. section. So uh, beyond those few basic things, uh, I, I was going. It's going to get a, a bit in depth at that point. It's going to get in depth, and those boards are cheap, right? <laughs> oh, you know, and this is this is the one we looked up, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we looked this up on eBay. Man, how many times have I said eBay in this this podcast? They need to pay us. Uh, <laughs> we're we're plugging their product too much. Uh, you know, we were we were looking at like maybe the thirty thirty to fifty dollar range, and uh, <laughs> you know here here's you know what I do you know what I wrote in here for my notes? Hmm. How much is your time worth? Absolutely, it's always a good and, consideration. And and uh, you know, hopefully that doesn't come across too harsh. But that's that's you know you have to look at these things sometimes. You know, no, I think that's I think that's really that's a an, an interesting 
topical point. Um, I, you know, myself being in the tech industry, I know you're in the tech industry. Um, I've, I've owned a business where I, where I did that. And a lot of times, uh, what I had to determine for myself as well as my customers was what are you willing to spend to fix a problem that could easily be fixed by replacing it at some point? Uh, there's just, it's just not worth the effort to look at. So it's, it's not that it's being too harsh. It's, it's being seated in reality. It's, these are plentiful boards. Um, sometimes it's just not worth fixing it, but, but if you're handy with a soldering iron, and you want to poke around, it's, it's a dandy time to kind of, right. You know, and I, I think play. you, you, at this, at that level, you really need an, an oscilloscope to kind of check, um, when you're talking about video signal and you're following it through, you, you know, you need, you need some, uh, test equipment to, yeah, I, you know, for me, it's like doing a jigsaw puzzle. I, I like doing that. You know, where where is the problem? Can I fix it? You know, but it, you you are going to have to have some some knowledge of electronics and reading a schematic a and yeah. you know. Yeah. You know a lot of a lot of this though is uh, it goes back to its continuity. So do you have continuity to the board? Do you have continuity from the board to the video controller? Meaning going through those resistors, circuit board traces. There's some basic continuity that you can do outside of a, an oscilloscope but yeah and you can get into the oscilloscope later on if you get a garbagey looking signal or something like that, that right that would be a good idea um there's there are things you can do but don't throw away too much time <laughs> right <laughs> how much is your time worth yes <laughs> yes indeed all right, our next question is from Jeff. I have a Mortal Kombat 2 game. It sits for a while or a couple of days, and it works fine for a bit. Then the screen goes blank, and everything else works the same. I assume that means that he can still hear audio. Unplugging it and plugging it in again doesn't work. Only if it sits for a few days does it work again. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Thanks. What do you think, Eric? Mortal Kombat 2. So from his question... It implies that it is playing blind when you can't see it, but it it uh, goes blank. Everything else works the same. So he can put you know, credit the game. He can start it. He probably is hearing all the noise, but nothing on the screen. I would. I wonder if the monitor was half dead, and then the game said, "Finish it," and it died. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> monitor fatality. Finish the monitor. <laughs> Is that the right game? I don't even know. No, that's it. <laughs> you got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Mortal Kombat 2, and that is a uh, standard res monitor, CGA. So we're going to go into our generic what's wrong with the monitor uh, answer, right? Sure, yes. And he does not mention which monitor is in the game i don't know if there was maybe a more common mo- you know you could say pac-man what monitor was in that game well there's a good chance it's a geo 7 or a 4600 or 4900 but mortal Kombat. i'm not sure which would have been the common monitor in I that game. say for that that era of game you're looking at a k7500 or one of the more uh more modern monitors that had a switch mode. So still uh, a, still still a standard res monitor but with a, a more advanced power supply, right? Correct. Okay. 
so what we're going to kind of it's going to be this is going to be kind of a generic answer based on not knowing which monitor he has and the first thing this this actually kind of goes back to a previous question so we mm-hmm. once once Indeed. once so what what we would like you to do is determine which monitor you have you know there's a good tool did we talk about this last time there's a good tool on uh you, to find out which monitor you have Bob Roberts mm-hmm. has like you look at the picture and then that connects you to which monitor you have and you you, re, you really kind of need to you you have to know which monitor you have right? right yep and if you don't know by the way where to go for the Bob Roberts page just google the real Bob the Mo- real Roberts. Bob because Ro- he has and there's hey, a he has trillion tw- Bob Roberts out there. he has twenty seven websites right <laughs> he does. or or three I guess it's three <laughs> but, but then all the the Bob Roberts are out in the world that you know. <laughs> Come up on the Google search. Yeah, the the real Bob Roberts. Uh, go there. He has he has a good section on how to how to identify your monitor. Find out which monitor you have. Pull up the schematic for it. You know, get get your meter out. If you don't have a meter, go get a meter. Right. You must have a meter if you're going to buy if, a game. Spend thirty dollars on a meter. <laughs> if if you if you want to Please. just play your games and never work on them, that's that's one thing. But if you if you want to do the work yourself, get a meter. You can. You know what? If you go to Walmart and get a digital yeah. meter, it's still it's good. Yeah. No, I, they're fine. They're. They, I mean, there's the. They don't have to be exact. You're not buying a bench meter and and having to get down to you know. A hundredth of a volt, or right? A right. A Five of a digit resolution. <laughs> uh, it just has to be around there. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. Then, so we're once again we're going back to kind of a kind of going back to a previous question. You you know check your uh, check your check your B plus voltage. Uh, do you know do a cap kit on it? This, that's kind of a you know that's going to be the 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 standard answer for my monitor is misbehaving. Yeah. What, what do I do first? Yeah. Uh, really before you could do any troubleshooting, that's, that's what you're going to do. Um, and honestly, your cap kit, I, I feel like I'm going to be saying this every episode, but your cap kit is going to correct the majority of the problems. Very much so. And, you know, I'm just on a personal, personal note, I think, that as I do cap kits, I think I'm going to get into the habit of replacing my replacing the flyback on my monitors, mm. my older monitors as I do mm. it. You know, there you're. How much are you spending for your cap kits? Twenty bucks, fifteen, 10, twenty bucks 15, with shipping. Yeah, sure. How, you know, how much is a flyback? Another fifteen, twenty. Truth. Oh, oh no, no, there are twenty five bucks. 25 to 30 bucks, depending. Some monitors are, are more expensive than others. You know, I think it's time to go off on a tangent right now. What do you think? I see something I, on your I, table I, I right feel, here. I that... feel a tangent coming on. What's, what's a, not a, tang- a tangerine, no, a tangent. What's a tangent? I don't know. I, I failed at math. What's okay. True? All right. <laughs> we, th- so, yes, I've, I hauled out these cap kits. That I stumbled across when I was working on my Atari Tempest um, that had the incredibly bad monitor in it. Um, and f- for the first time, found a cap kit that wasn't just a bag of parts. It was right. a very well-documented uh, kit that has all of the parts 
fully identified where you don't have to have a microscope out to figure out what the part number is or you know what what part number the diode is it actually comes with strips of masking tape with properly labeled spots where the components are stuck to it you just keep teasing me what's what's this brand of cap kit that- uh, I, I i i see well okay there's there's a couple things <laughs> let me see ian kellogg sounds like a cereal <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> but it's John's Arcade Parts Kit. Who? John's Arcade Parts Kit. Well, so it's awesome. <laughs> Look, Google them up. They're pretty good. Um, I've got to say I was very thrilled with what I received because by far, uh, certainly for my, my uh, Wells Gardner 6100 um, high-voltage rebuild kit, it was by far the most complete Parts the kit most comprehensive that kit that you've, and the you know I'm I'm this this kit's unopened, but I can see through to the instructions of it, and looks like they have really done a just such a great job of you know of of, of documentation for everything. Yes. Most of the yes. cap kits you get, just as you said, it's it's a list. It's a you know it's a listing of here's all the parts, um, you know. Uh, you gotta <laughs> find them it. yourself, uh, <laughs> and you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. That you know, if if you get good quality parts, and but the the if if you're new to this, you know, I I really recommend this this kit, this yeah. John's Arcade, and as well as his, uh, you know, go listen to his podcast too, right? Oh yeah, does he have one? Oh yeah, you don't you don't hear his. He's the he's the guy in the basement. I barely know what an iPhone is. Are you kidding? (laughs) Get off my lawn. (laughs) No, seriously, he has he has a uh, a good podcast. Lots of videos on YouTube. He's he's a he's a good guy to listen to. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I will. I will say. I I will give one specific uh, uh, example of how this kit really, really helped. So these high voltage repair um, kits—they've got quite a few diodes in them, and some of them are zeners, and some of them are rectifiers, uh, and many of them are just very, very small glass diodes and And wait a minute so when you get to be as old as we are and your vision starts uh no not even that so yes i'm old and my vision sucks and (laughs) and i have to wear reading glasses i still don't have the visual visual acuity to read some of these numbers so i do have a stereo microscope a 10x stereo microscope and many of these glass diodes do not have complete part numbers on them so in these other kits, you would just get a bunch of diodes and hope you had the right ones based on size, which I can personally testify to. That does not always match up. Size does not always match up to what you think it is. So, so these 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 kits are pretty awesome for that. Great. Well, all right. Back. So, t- so his question, you know, once again, mon- monitor failure. Start at the you know check your vo- check your B plus voltage get get the cap kit start there but you really need to know which monitor you have before you dig into the uh, to, into the process of troubleshooting the monitor absolutely right? it also helps so for those newer uh, switch mode power supply monitors if you power it on and you hear a just it sounds like you've got a time bomb for a for a monitor. That's a good indication that either the 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 power supply can't start up because of bad capacitors, or you've got a short that that power supply is shutting down to avoid having a you know a problem. So uh, 
a little more information would help, but that's a good place to start, especially for a problem like that. It's cap kit. Okay, let's go on to the next one. All right. The next one is from Peter. Hi, I'm looking at changing all three transistors and resistors on the neck board as I am missing the red color on my Hentrex Polo. I say, you know, I see that I see that written all the time. Am I pronouncing that right? Hentrex. I I hear people say Hentrex, but it looks more like Hentrex. Hentrex. Polo 25 inch monitor. I've looked at the schematics and it appears a little confusing as to uh, exactly what I need to purchase. Any help would be much appreciated. So he has the root. Okay, he has miss. He's missing red, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants to go in there and just start replacing components on the neck board. We pulled up the schematic on this, and this monitor is you know a little a little bit newer. This the the old. Uh, uh, standbys from the the old monitors from the 80s you know the 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 geo7 all that they, they're pretty simple on the neck board not much going on right not much no. but this this particular monitor has as the uh, as the three colors come in on the main board there's a little bit of there's some circuitry there that amplifies it uh or processes it then it goes up to the neck board then there's an ic that does some more processing. Then there's then you come out of that, and then there's uh, biasing transistors. There's drive transistors. There's a lot going on with it, is what I'm trying right. to say, right? Right. I think that I see. You know, it processes the color and makes it all tie dyed, and then you know, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix comes out of the corner, and and who knows who knows why it's so complicated. They couldn't just leave well enough alone and, and leave the circuitry simple. Um, so I think what we're driving at though is that. It's not just that simple to replace those transistors. Um, And I'm almost almost wondering, I didn't see it in in the comment, but has basic troubleshooting been done to verify that just doing a simple color input swap? Right. No no red color. And, you know, we talked, we touched on this earlier. If you're missing a particular color, you know, you can, you can do a, you can swap the pins on the input. Or as you said, you can actually Short jumper over color. Yep, uh, and you know you, you do that first. Yep, and then now what? What the the, the procedure that you're you're speaking of is is something we call shotgunning. You know, essentially, you're not you're not troubleshooting the problem. You're just replacing all components in the path of the signal, mm-hmm. and, in the hopes of when you're done, it's going to resolve the problem. And that's fine. As actually, in in you know a lot of cases, that's fine. You know, if, if your goal is just to resolve the problem, you know, if that's the means to the you know, to an end, you know, do it. But unfortunately, with this with this um, monitor, there's a, you'd have, if you're going to do the shotgun approach, there's a, many more components uh, that you would have to replace than uh, just what you've mentioned in the question. Right. Let's not even before we even mention that you would want to include replacing the IC. Let's not forget all of the resistors that are in line that are that are that signal travels over um, that should also be considered uh, in in that total signal path. I, I think just going for transistors wouldn't necessarily get you uh, what you're looking for. But um, if on the other hand, if you are just wanting to go ahead and do this anyway, uh, the parts list for that Hantrex. Polo 25-inch monitor are available on the internet, and, and the parts list is out there. Right. And I had an, an additional thought on this. 
if you if you're uh, which game? What did he say? What game this was from? Mm-hmm. I don't think he did. Nope. Um, if your game has a test mode where you can put it on either a white screen or just a stable, you know, a a, a screen that has all colors in it and doesn't change. Uh, one thing that you can do if you have the schematic is you can take your voltmeter. You don't even really need a scope for this. You can look at your schematic and follow all three color inputs through the through the the path that is taking from the input all the way to the CRT, and you can everything on a neck board is 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 done in triplicate. You're mm-hmm. gonna have it's just you know you've got your all your red circuitry, all your blue circuitry, all your green circuitry. You can take your voltmeter, look at your paths, and see. You know, if they, you know, if you're getting a similar voltage on all three paths at at, at the beginning point, at, you know, before the IC, after the IC, that that can really help you narrow down where the problem is mm-hmm. if the problem is on the neck board or on the main board and not just a, you know, problem before that, which you would resolve by the previously mentioned means of, of uh, jumpering the color inputs or swapping them. Right. Okay, I think we're uh, I think we're done with that one, right? We beat that horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is it my turn to ask? I think it's your turn. Okay, this next one is from JD. Hey guys, recently acquired a Street Fighter Two game and it worked great. Then we moved it from place from the place I got it to my house, and now the monitor will not come on at all. We played it the day we moved it, and the light at the top of the machine still comes on, but the screen is blank. Light at the top of the machine, I guess, you know, they're talk- obviously they're talking about the marquee. I can hear a faint buzzing noise of some kind. I also found a wire that's not connected and can't figure out where it's supposed to go. The wire is on the back right-hand side of the monitor, and I guess this is probably looking from the back of it, and it's connected to metal straps on the monitor. I figured it was some type of ground, but I can't find where it's supposed to plug in. Any kind of information will help, as this is my first machine to work on. So he's hmm. you know looking at the back of the monitor. There's a wire hanging loose, the right hand side, um, and it looks like a ground wire. Looks like a ground looks wire. Like a ground wire. What, what do you uh, think about that one? Well, from the right hand side, uh, that's a very common location for. Again, we're talking about the DAG strap, um, the the wire that goes around the bell of the picture tube and makes contact with the gray paint. Um, and then there's a short black wire that typically ends up plugging into either a post on the neck board or I think I've even seen it on occasion where it'll go to the chassis, but very rarely. Um, or at least not often in my in my brain of brains right now. Uh, so, uh, so one question I think I had looking at this was: uh, this would be a, a really good example of where a picture would be very helpful. But um, I'm also trying to contemplate the possibility that this might be a ground strap that is stapled to the cabinet that's supposed to connect with the frame chassis of the monitor and all that good stuff. Um, and sometimes those just sit there and they don't have anything to do with whether the monitor works or not. But I'm, I'm going to say if the wire is hanging there and it's a connector that looks like it would go on to a little round post, right. it's just kind of hanging there. 
look for that post on the neck board. Right. That's where you're going to find it. And, that. you know, when, when, when people work on a monitor, you know, it's, it's often necessary to take the neck board off of it to get the whole chassis out. And the one wire that's many times not easily removable like through a connector many times is, they would skip a connector right is is that ground wire that connects to the to the tube itself so what i've seen more times, times. Than, than i can count was <laughs> is somebody just cuts that wire and you yeah. know you see it reconnected with you know a good yellow wire nut or uh <laughs> you know just bare wire Scotch whatever tape no wire nut at all <laughs> So it, We've it's seen it all. <laughs> it's 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 pretty common to have that ground wire just not not connected. Now, what happens if that ground wire is not connected? How's the monitor going to behave? Pro- not well, right? Not well. Uh, you'll be lucky to to see the picture tube light up at all because that is sort of a it's a required connection for making sure that the high voltage that is applied to the picture tube is smoothed out and is nice smooth dc i'm not explaining this well (laughs) basic basically for the high voltage anode wire to properly get to the inside i'm I'm not doing much better am i okay let's take another tack (laughs) so your 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 regular power supply for your game has capacitors on it to smooth out the power for the five volt signal or the five volt power um and the picture tube itself is actually a capacitor for the high voltage section. And so if that outside connect the outside wire that's strapped around it isn't connected to anything, it's the same thing as not having a capacitor in your power supply. Your game is simply not going to boot up. So too with the monitor, it's probably not going to light the face of that tube. Right. So if we you know, it's most likely going to be a, a ground wire that he's talking about. It could, you know, we, we talked about this before uh, before we recorded this. It's possible he may be talking about the high-voltage anode wire, but, you know, that's a much more serious thing. That's, uh, you know, look look to make sure that that's in place. What we're talking about is a kind of a rubbery wire that goes up to the glass itself and has a su- like a like a suction cup, like a... Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> like a, uh, and you know, but hopefully we're not talking about that. If we're talking about that, you've got you know, if that wire's broken, that's that's much bigger problems, and and you know, you probably don't want to dive into that until you yeah. learn a little bit more about monitors. But hopefully, it's just the uh, the ground wire for that. Yeah. All right, All let's right. jump on to the next one. And you know what? I'm glad we're you, you have to read this one because I'm not even gonna. Oh. I don't think I can pronounce that 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 name. So it's all okay, you. Okay, Mr. <laughs> Go ahead. Sinsonics. Sinsonics? Uh, that's well, what I'm going that, with. You've turned that it's X into a, a... Into a Z. Okay. So that's, I think that's proper, isn't it? <laughs> Since, well, anyway, it's all messed up. Anyway, so <laughs> Mr. Messed Up writes, the picture on my monitor is too far to the right. Will adjusting the monitor with coil help, or is it a bad cap? Too far to the right. So before we get into this, we need to talk about horizontally mounted monitors versus vertically mounted monitors. So Pac-Man, that's vertical. Uh, Defender, that's horizontal. Fighting games, that's horizontal. Horizontal. Yeah, pretty. I, I bet pretty much everything from the '90s on was pretty much 
hor- uh, uh, was pretty much horizontal, right? And I'm sure. I'm like sure there's some exceptions, like maybe a Raiden. There's that still a anyway. I'm okay, too old to up, remember. up and down versus is is the <laughs> monitor you know tall or is it is it wide? So you know when we talk about the When we use the terms the horizontal and vertical, it kind of depends on how your monitor is mounted first. This is just a kind of a precursor to what this is a preface to what we're what we're going to be talking about. So it's too far to the right. If the monitor is like a if it's a horizontal monitor like Defender, Mm -hmm. uh, then too far to the right is actually a horizontal centering issue. But if it's a monitor like Galaga or Pac-Man, well, it's not. It's a it's a vertical. <laughs> uh, so we have to know which type, what game it's in, which way it's mounted. And uh, you know, some some older monitors. We're going to go back to the like uh, like a forty nine hundred. It has um, actually has some pins on it, like a little like a wire that comes out, and you. Uh, put it on you put it on a pin according to how it, it creates kind of a picture position mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. it's too far to the left you can make it go to the right that way and you know vice versa and there and also you you know will have uh, on many of these monitors you will have a horizontal position uh, potentiometer uh, so let's at this point let's let's assume that it's a, a horizontal monitor a horizontally okay. mounted monitor we'll do that. And um, he, actually, I should jump back to what he's asking. Will adjusting the horizontal width coil help? Not really. No, not so much. I mean, you might you might be able to shrink the picture to where you. But can you're not see resolving the, the problem. Picture, but you're not resolving the problem. You're going to be unhappy with the result. So, um, I, I think it's fair to point out that as we were as you were talking about those the horizontal position taps things of that nature. It's definitely feels harder to adjust these kinds of things on those older 80s video games. But the newer games oh, that yeah. came along that have a, a control daughter board right. make it a piece of cake because you can actually extend that to the front of the monitor and see what you're adjusting. And basically, it's the same thing as like a, your your computer monitor. It has all the buttons to, do, to adjust the, you know, all the, you know... More things than you'll ever need to adjust her on it, but uh, you know sometimes you don't even know that that little board is there. You know if you're if you know this is your first arcade machine, right? You you may not realize that there's this ribbon cable that goes off, and you know a lot of times it's mounted like up on top of the coin box, and mm-hmm. you can get in there and adjust all all of that stuff. I had so, a customer who had no idea it existed. He's like, "How do you do that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's." It's right there. It's really easy. It's, it's yeah, kind of mounted up. You, <laughs> you have to kind of crouch down and look up a little bit, but there it is. All right. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Oh, oh this is a long one. Who gets question? to read this one? Eric gets to read the lo- next, oh. last long question. I'm going to see if I can condense this a little bit. At least bit. you this can is pronounce his name. Louis. Or is it <laughs> Luis? Luis. All right, so you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to going to attempt to uh, whittle it down, whittle it down to yeah. the nuts and bolts. Of All right. It. He, so Lewis has a 2100 in one PC board. Man, that is a lot of games, isn't it? That's that. Yeah, that is, I you play know. one for every day for how many years? Is that I, eight years? 
<laughs> I don't know. You know, I've had my meme cabinet since oh, 15, 16 years now. And I think I've got maybe 250 games enabled, and that's really quite enough. But wow. Anyway, more power to Luis. Go. <laughs> so he has this 2101 PC board and is not getting any sound on it. First thing we had to do was go on the Internet and look up this exact board um, to see you know, what, the, what the connections were, how it was, how it was laid out. And it's... Uh, this is essentially uh, a computer motherboard with a secondary board on top of it that has all the, um, you know, the switch inputs and everything, the audio amplifier, and that 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 part of it is kind of key as, as far as what we're going to be talking about. But you know, he's 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 checked the uh, harness, he's replaced the speaker, done everything, but no no audio. Now this is a it has an ATX power supply, just like you know a lot of uh, you know newer games have. Um, so the first thing I would do is you know check your voltages coming into the board. You've got multiple vol- you know these ATX power supplies. You've got twelve volts, five volts, negative five, three point three, just you know lots of voltage. Check mm-hmm. them all. Mm-hmm. If you've got a spare one laying around swap it out put put that because the the logic circuitry is going to run off of the five volts but you know your audio amplifier a lot of times runs will run off of some of these auxiliary voltages the you know like the 12 volts or the negative five just as we were speaking of Mm -hmm, first mm -hmm. so first thing i would do am i reading this and giving the answer to am i leaving you completely out of this no 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 you're you're there you're you're getting there It's you're okay. thinking it through. I'm, I'm sitting back, going, "Okay, yeah, this is." A, I'm, I'm well, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll start with that because we talked about what how to uh, <laughs> kind of do a little simple test with the uh, the. We looked at the pictures of this game board. It's a nice unit. It really is. It's a very nicely put together unit. So, uh, no harm, no foul to the manufacturer, except for the fact that he's working with the people you ordered it from, and they seem to. Not be very interested in. They, they don't want to take ownership in, of any kind of in problem. Swapping right? the board, they're sending him everything but a replacement board. Um, so one of the interesting things I, I had just stumbled upon this. I, I missed this part last night. It had a crackling noise, then it stopped working altogether. Um, and I plugged a headphone into the sound jack and could hear the games, but nothing's coming out of the speaker. I think that's kind of a key point right there. Um, and, and we need to clarify something. The the headphone jack is on the computer motherboard part of it, where the right. amplifier chip is on the secondary on the, board. On the, on the JAMA adapter board, if you will. Right. So, so the way that I, I'm, we're kind of making the leap here is that the emulation runs on the motherboard. The motherboard has the DAC and the sound chip that it's it's, it's da- da- digital, digital anal- to analog converter. converter. That's u- that's used being used to actually generate the sounds, and then it will pass that sound signal up to the JAMA board, where the amplifier that's soldered to that board will actually supply power to the speakers. Right, and that that motherboard, the the audio generated on it is just not powerful enough to run a speaker. Right. Right. Correct. It's considered line level audio which is you know two volts peak to peak and uh but that's why they have an audio amp chip on the jamma board so plugging in headphones to the motherboard here's the sound just fine but 
having trying to drive speakers with the amplifier not working so much. The key part for me is that there was a crackling noise, which to me means that maybe the amplifier was there. It was trying to drive a speaker, but something maybe was wrong with the circuitry and decided to stop working. Um, for if it were me, excuse me, giving, given uh, the picture that we have where that audio amp chip, which is a single, single inline package, it's probably going to be 12 pins maybe um, and a heat sink. You can, you can touch lightly some of the pins and you should be able to hear audio interference on the speaker if you do that. Right. If you don't, I bet you that chip is bad. It's a board problem. Demand that they take it back and exchange it before it's too late. Right. And, you know, as you were, as you were saying that, one other thing came to mind. Back, mm. if, you've got a, if you have a voltmeter, check the resistance of your speaker. Make sure it's not too – if you have – say you have two or four or three. However, if you have multiple speakers, if they're all in parallel – if the output, if the impedance of this or the resistance of those speakers is too low, it could damage your your amplifier chip. And if you Very put it, if you if it, you get it replaced, and it, it could easily do the the same to the new one. Very so true. So you can't you know the way you if you have multiple speakers, you don't want to put them all uh, in parallel as in positive to positive to positive. It's it, you can, you can go online and look at how Not to true. wire up your speakers yes. and, and see, uh, you know, the, uh, impedance of that. But, um, yeah, I think, I think you, uh, that's, that's a good analysis of it there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that comes to the end of our emailed questions. Well, no, actually I should word this a little bit differently, right? That's the, the that's our, the end of our list of, of, of questions coming to the old email address. Yes. But our new email address, which is, hold on, hold on. You forgot it already. On, podcast. Podcast at ArcadeRepairTips.com. Uh, so we have a, an email from Adam regarding his Asteroids Deluxe monitor and now this is a this is another link to a youtube video so we're going to have to do our best to try to give you a a good visual give you a rep, uh, tell you how, what it looks like All but right. he has an asteroids i wonder if i can i wonder if i can play this and we can well, the sounds aren't going to be sounds are going to be there <laughs> i think you hear his kid that's about it so we're you know asteroids deluxe is a black and white vector monitor and when he's playing it, uh, you're seeing all the you, you see all the the UFO ships, the the asteroids, everything just like you should. But in addition everything. to that, yes, you see lines connecting everything, kind of like a connect the dots, right? Yeah, it's awesome actually, and <laughs> it's uh, it's it's really bright. He says this happens. You know, it'll, sometimes it'll work. Sometimes he sees. We only see it in the state of not working. Right. Uh, so we're gonna have, and so we see several things with this. So we're gonna we're just we're gonna jump back to how what vector monitors are and and how they work, what they do. So your your vector monitor, whether they're black and white or color. They still kind of do the same thing. You're you're drawing lines from point to point, which creates a vector, mm-hmm. <laughs> thus a vector monitor. Right. As opposed to a raster monitor where it's scanning the entire screen of the monitor and you turn on 
you turn on in a very timely fashion the beam to draw your picture. This one is, in fact, actually drawing your picture directly onto the screen. And in order, in order to get rid of these uh, connect the dot lines, um, they have you have this you have an x axis, a y axis. So that's your you know left right and your up down. But you also have a z axis. So that's your intensity that turns the line on and off or or you know it it, it, it you can alter the intensity of it as yes. well. <laughs> but the key thing is you have to be able to turn off that beam when it's connecting the dots when it's going from one spot in the screen to the other and you, they don't want you to see that that line. And that's what we're seeing on this. So we have two possibilities here. Uh, one, you have the circuitry on your game board that controls the z-axis, and it can't. If that were dif- if that were bad, you would just see all the the trace lines on it, and you would have this 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 what we would be seeing here. But honestly, I don't think that's what the problem is from looking at it. I think that if you want to you want to see this again, see this again. Okay, so if you have your vector monitor that is working properly. And you go to the back of it, and you take your brightness, and you turn it uh, turn it up really bright. You're going to see the trace lines of it. Uh, so, you, so we've we're got looking the, at it again. Yeah, we've got the telltale dot in the oh, middle, right in the middle of that it. Right. I'm surprised it's not burning a hole in his phosphorus <laughs> right now. Right. That's the uh, which which the uh, uh, spot killer is supposed to shut the. Shut the uh, high voltage section off when you when you get that. So either we're dealing with you know my first thought is a the brightness control on the back of the uh, on the monitor maybe maybe that pot maybe that potentiometer is bad and uh, you know it's 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 dirty and it's just jumping it's, into a full brightness yes uh, which incidentally will override the spot killer i don't know if you knew that but if you want to if the spot killer on a monitor is always on you can crank that brightness up and it'll, it'll kind of override that the spot killer mm-hmm. uh so you know, either the first thing I would do is go back there and kind of you know test that test you know the brightness pot just you know turn it full clockwise counterclockwise a bunch of you know loose you know get it uh, turn it from one end to the other and kind of clean the where the wipers wipe across that and see if that resolves it and if that doesn't then we have a problem with the Z. Uh, the Z-axis circuitry on the game board. Right. And I believe on Asteroids, there is a low bit-level DAC that controls um, the intensity. There's right. four, four levels of intensity. Right, so that would just be a two-bit... Uh, you know, they, they don't They don't need... Right. It's like, off, own a little huh. bit, own a little bit more, full on. Yeah, full on, yeah. Right, so... You know, if if now 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 we get into how how good are what what type of equipment do you have, and uh, as far as test equipment, and you know how good are you at reading a schematic? One thing about vector games that you can do if you have an old analog oscilloscope, you can uh, look at the pattern output of the uh, 
of the game to do some troubleshooting. But you know, you're actually you're not going to be using the z-axis on that, so that would uh, uh, you're not going to have an input on that for you your won't. scope. You will see a hundred percent of the lines going on, but you, um, I believe, you can key the z-axis in to the beam, but you won't get the intensity of it. So. Uh, but you will, you will, if you look at the z-axis with an oscilloscope on a regular sweep. Oh, good see, point. You should see transitions right. going on, and you're not going to be able to see this with the a multimeter. But if you take your, that's a very good point. So if you have an old oscilloscope or can or have access to one, check. You know, look at your schematic. You want to see your z-axis. It's a you know you can you can, you don't even have to go to your game board. That's a that's a lot. That's a wire going to your monitor itself. Re, you know, monitor that. You'll see. You'll see it. You should should see it just jump all over the place. If you don't see it doing anything, then you know it's your game board. If you see it jumping all over the place, it's your monitor. Um, and then you can you know you can track it down a little bit further on that now one other thing and do do we want to talk about the uh the other thing the that little we saw bloom the... that's going on all right so i guess we better describe what blooming is in the first place right well i wouldn't even and see i don't even know if it's i guess it would be bloom in a raster monitor but in in this vector monitor it just looks like the the zoom of the entire image just kind of jumps up and then jumps back to normal Right, that's a, that's a good description of it. So it's a little a little change in scaling. Right, so, so that that's that's called blue. basically if everything just gets real like you just as Chris said, if it's zooming in, that's that's called blooming. Now, with the older black and white vector monitors, uh, there really would have only been you know we're either talking about a G O five Electrohome G O five. Or a Wells, what was that number? Nineteen V two thousand. I believe so. Yes. There's going to on the flyback. You're going to have a high voltage diode on the output of it that can go bad, and it will cause this blooming effect. On a newer monitor, it still has that diode, but it's built into the flyback. Um, the older, the older monitors. Um, you know, it was a separate piece. It's not. It's not soldered in. It just has kind of a. There's a little carrier on the high voltage wire, isn't there? You can twist lock it open. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a. It just really. It's it's kind of hard to describe, but it's 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 easy. I'll 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 say this. It's easy to replace. It, right, there's yeah. no soldering involved with it. It just kind of. Uh, it's it, so it's it's easy to easy to replace. Not. You know, not as easy to find as it is to replace. You can go on eBay and and find them, but um, looks looks like you need to do this with your with your monitor as well. Um, so hopefully that uh, that answers your your question with your asteroids. Awesome. So it is the end of the questions, and it's time to talk about an upcoming event. Oh yeah, can't wait. <laughs> Now, I imagine there's probably you know we're everybody's all over the country if not the world, so maybe not everybody's in our area. Ah, uh, okay. Well, here in Houston, once a year, we have the Houston Area Arcade Expo. Although there's a bit of pinball. Has he changed the title to include pinball? 
No, still. Still Arcade Expo. And uh, it's a great weekend. Um, I think he's got well over, well over 200 games. Everything from classic coin ops, new coin ops, uh, old pinball machines, new pinball machines, Atari 2600, 5200, Commodore 64, VIC-20, uh, Xbox, uh, everything. Everything is set up uh, for free play. Uh, they have weekend passes available. You can come and get a pass for a night. Uh, their calendar is chock full of speakers talking about everything from uh, technical issues, how to restore a pinball machine or an arcade game, to talks about how things were in the heyday of the arcade machine manufacturers. I think we have to give a little bit of a talk, don't I we? Think we? I think we do. I think, I think we're supposed to be there. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I we're going to be there. We're going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Very and cool. It's, it's, it's a, a fun weekend. It's, if you're in the area, come, come, come visit. There's a, turn, a pinball tournament. I don't. Does he do a video game tournament? He does do a video game tournament. You know, mm-hmm. speaking of pinball, I would really like to get some pinball machine related questions. We didn't. We didn't yeah. have any this time. I think that would be a good addition to the uh, to the lineup. Right, and 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 some older game questions. Right, some older. Yes, some older game questions. No, <laughs> these are fine. I mean, yes, they're they're fine. Well, <laughs> they're good. Well, Chris, I think that uh that that's probably going to wrap it up for this oh, episode one more of the announcement. podcast. Oh, one, one more, more announcement. Okay, okay. Yeah, don't forget. Okay, so so uh in an effort to include some additional fodder for the show, I thought it would be oh, an yes. interesting idea to do little sort of mini presentations on certain parts of games that many people probably just look at as this black chip that's sitting on the board. So I'm thinking I'm going to kick off the series with what is a CPU? What does it do? What is the, what is it in the life, a day in the life of a CPU for? It won't be for the next show. We're going to probably be at that, that Houston area arcade expo for the next show, but the December show uh, would be a good time to kick these shows off or the, these segments off, and uh, talk about everything from CPUs, memory, um, how, how do the power supplies work, how, right. do, uh, how do crystal oscillators work, how do the clock circuits work, thing of the, things of that nature. I think it would be fairly interesting. And if anybody out there has any ideas on right. what they might want to hear, please let us know. Let us, yeah, right, right. That email address again is... You've got it this time, Chris. <laughs> no? <laughs> it's podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. You didn't hear my papers shuffling as, as I was looking for that email address, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> now I guess I get to say that now this, you get to say yeah, it. this wraps it up for the – we're going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for me and Chris – you can send them to podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. Again, that's podcast at arcaderepairtips.com, and we'll be happy to address them in our ne- next episode. If you've li- if you like what you've heard, man, I'm just I'm I'm struggling over this, aren't I? <laughs> it's been a night. <laughs> it's been you know this yeah we're we're much longer it's, than the last it's, one it's been a night of the wwe yeah, circuit boards just all WWF. Kinds of wrestling games right <laughs> we're wrestling with this ending announcement <laughs> okay let's try this again if you if you like what you've heard we encourage you to visit either itunes or stitcher radio page and leave a review 
Don't forget to also visit ArcadeRepairTips.com to find all of our episodes along with some great information to help you with your arcade repair projects. Till next time, everybody. Adios. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcast. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.